symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade. And we are to episode number 63. And as promised, we return to the 1987 in the WWF Project. And I absolutely cannot wait to get into things here this week. I am your host, Ray Russell. And before we jump into things, guys, I want to thank you again for all your kind words and the positive energy as the WrestleCopia Network gets back up and running. Monday Warfare already back on track. You guys can go check out our sister show, Monday Warfare. The Battles Within, it is Nitro versus Raw, the WCW versus the WWF. We just dropped June 10th, 1996. Kevin Nash arrives in WCW next week. It'll be June 17th, the fallout from the Great American Bash 96, and also the Go Home Show to the King of the Ring, where Stone Cold Steve Austin and Austin 316 is born. But again, this is the Wrestling Memory Grenade, and we are moving back into 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation. We come out of January, and what a hot month it was, January of 1987. But we move on. Another month closer in the road to WrestleMania 3, just two months away from WrestleMania 3. And this week, we're going to talk all about February 1987 in the WWF. And this week, we have a ton of WrestleMania 3 news and a lot of other WWF news as we talk all about February 1987. We'll also be taking a deep dive, a look into the results here for February 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation. You may know by now you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade as part of the WrestleCopia podcast network on WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com, WrestleCopia.com, and all of your favorite podcast streaming apps from Apple to Spotify, Google Pod, Pocket Cast, Tune in, Audible on Amazon, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Radio Public, Listen Notes, so many more. You name it, and we're probably there. You can follow us on Twitter, a really hot Twitter account right now. You can follow us at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N, Grenade, home of the free prize giveaway. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. And boy, have we been doing some big business over on Facebook lately. Lots of new followers, lots of new likes. Our Facebook page can be found, facebook.com slash wrestling grenade and be sure to follow us on twitter and or follow and like us on facebook for your chance to enter and win all future free prize giveaways including our current giveaway guys a special ricky the dragon steamboat intercontinental champion autographed 8x10 promo pick from this era right here guys circa 1987 it's a promo pick of ricky the dragon steamboat as intercontinental champion and yes autographed by the steamer himself Winner will be announced as part of our upcoming WrestleMania 3 special edition of the Grenade, a very definitive edition, which we'll talk about in the weeks to come here on the Grenade. But the winner of this, and guess what? We're going to have an additional prize given away as part of that WrestleMania 3 episode. I'm going to talk about that in just a few moments here. But the winner of this Ricky Steamboat autograph promo pick to be announced as part of that WrestleMania 3 special edition of the Grenade in the weeks to come. You might be saying, Ray, I want a chance to win that Ricky Steamboat autograph promo pick. I want a chance to win your future free prize giveaways. 
Well, all you have to do again is follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade or follow and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade for your chance to win each and every future free prize giveaway. It's that easy, guys. Also, make sure to stop on over to our YouTube channel and you can find us there at youtube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Lots of fun videos up there. NWA 1989, the WWF 1993. The WWF versus USWA crossover feud. Lots of that up there. More to come there. Lots of early 1987 and the WWF stuff up now there as well, including the first two matches featuring Demolition. No, not Barry Darso as Smash, but actually Randy Colley, the Moondog Rex, playing the part of Smash. Those matches are up there, as well as several other segments and matches here from early 1987 and the WWF. Lots more to come, plus some other fun little gems in there featuring Stan Hansen, Dusty Rhodes, Kevin Sullivan. Hey, Jake the Snake Roberts dressed as Santa Claus? So lots to view there on YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade and more on the way. And hey guys, did you know that now is a great time to be a patron? A WrestleCopia patron, that is, is our revamped and all-new WrestleCopia Podcast Network Patreon account. You can find it over at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That's Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. A dozen tiers to choose from. But my personal favorite tier, the $5 all-access tier, is where it's at. Includes all of our insanely detailed show notes for both the Grenade and Monday Warfare. And sometimes even early access to some of those show notes. You might be able to get show notes prior to the show dropping. You can kind of read along, watch along, enjoy along with us here on the Grenade. You'll also receive early access to many of our podcasts. Listen days, sometimes even a week early. In fact, the last two episodes of Monday Warfare, the new ones I'm talking about dropping right now, The June 10th episode was up on Patreon six days early, and the June 17th episode of Monday Warfare was up 10 days early for our Patreon listeners. Also, unedited versions of many of our podcasts, as well as, of course, the Patreon-exclusive watch-along series featuring many WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum Video, Saturday Night's Main Event, Clash of the Champions, hey, Flair and Steamboat, Clash of the Champions 6 is on there, the March to WrestleMania 9, and now added to the tier, yes, even more! For the $5 tier, it's remastered versions of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. The earliest episodes of the Wrestling Memory Grenade where we talked NWA in 1989. That includes enhanced sound quality and new content. Originally edited out of the show, edited right back into the broadcast. So not just enhanced sound quality, but new conversations never heard before as well. And it doesn't end there, guys. We've added, yes, yet another gift. Unbelievable what we're doing here with the all-access tier, but You guys have been so good to me, I want to give back. So now we've also added digital downloads, monthly digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. I hope you guys really enjoy that as well. So all of that, you get all of that, guys, for the low, low price of just $5. The all-access tier again, let us count the ways, insanely detailed show notes, early access to many of the podcasts, unedited versions of many of the podcasts, Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade Show, and now digital downloads as well. Six gifts for $5, the all-access tier, like I said, or any higher tier. That's where it's at, guys. And remember, no subscription, cancel anytime. Give it a go for a month. I think you'll like the content we offer, and every penny of it goes right back in to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please help us pay some of the bills for The Grenade, Monday Warfare, Tom Robinson's TR Shocks the World, and more. Let's keep us up and running for the years to come. And now I wanted to touch on our WWF 1987 New Year's Resolution Contest. The winner of the contest was to have received a free 
Intercontinental Champion Honky Tonk Man autograph promo pick from this era. And what the contest was is I played an audio bite of various WWF superstars sharing their New Year's resolutions for 1987. I simply requested the listeners to send in the list of the voices on that audio clip in the order in which they appeared. Well, I'm sorry to announce we had no winner. Nobody was able to identify all of the voices who shared their New Year's resolutions. And now many of those voices were easily identifiable, and others actually even said their names in the promo, like, there's no bunk from Jimmy Jack Funk. Pretty easy to figure out who was cutting that promo. However, there were a few tricky ones that most missed, specifically Siviafi. I want to be the best and the most successful in the WWF, the year 87. But also Corporal Kirshner. Well, 1987 to be twice as good as 1986, and I'd like to see all the people that I saw last year back in the arenas again. A few even missed guys like Hercules, Paul Orndorff, and the Doctor of Style Slick. Money! And so since we did not find a winner in our 1987 New Year's Resolutions contest, the free giveaway of the Honky Tonk Man autograph promo pick now also part of the WrestleMania 3 special edition of the Grenade. Not only will we be giving away that Ricky Steamboat promo pick we already talked about, but now we'll also be, there's going to be a second winner, two winners to be announced as part of that WrestleMania 3 episode of the Grenade. Winner number one gets that Ricky Steamboat autograph promo pick. Winner number two gets the Honky Tonk Man IC Championship promo pick. So we're going to have two free prize giveaways to announce now as part of that WrestleMania 3 definitive edition of the Grenade. In just a few short weeks of time. But right now, it's time to jump right in to February 1987 in the WWF. We're going to kick things off talking all about the news. We're in the news, and we got a lot of news to report as we head to WrestleMania 3. And we're going to kick things off right away with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I noted here that Piper needs opponents, it would seem. DeMelt says, I've come to the conclusion the reason Piper's matches aren't drawing has more to do with Piper's foes like Bob Orton and Don Morocco, who simply have no heat in the matches. DeMeltz also goes on to say that nobody wants to see Adrian Adonis in the main event as well. Even the Hogan versus Adonis matches drew relatively poor crowds, and if Hulk can't draw sellouts with someone, the same person surely can't draw anything headlining against the likes of a Roddy Piper or a Ricky Steamboat. So Meltzer basically saying that Adonis wasn't even drawing well with Hulk Hogan, so what do you expect him to do with guys on the next year below Hogan, like a Roddy Piper or a Steamboat in this matter. This almost sounds like the issue we find with the Ultimate Warrior when he wins the world title in 1990. A lot of people cite, well, the Warrior didn't draw. Well, they had nothing for the Warrior to do beyond Rick Rude, which was short-sighted in itself. A real build with a real story behind it would have been better for Rude and Warrior, in my personal opinion. But after that, the Warrior just kind of floundered until they took the belt off of him. And here, I can see Meltzer's point of view here is Roddy Piper doesn't have a whole lot of guys to work with here in a semi-main event or on the B-shows. A Piper-Orndorff feud would be fun if we could do that again here in 87, but we know there's a lot of moving parts to this, and uh, Roddy Piper, he won't even be here a whole lot longer. We'll get to that, I'm sure. If not this episode of The Grade, certainly by next week here on The Grenade. Hey, how's this for a laugh, guys? On the Twin Cities TV up in Minnesota... Hogan was welcoming his buddy Brad Rangans to the WWF. Hulk said something to the effect that Brad now no longer has to waste his time beating up wimps. And then Hogan had to rub Brad's face in the mat to get his head on straight to come to the World Wrestling Federation. I'd love to see Hulk Hogan 
try to rub Brad Rangan's face in the mat. That's that's for laughs itself. But Brad Rangan's leaving the AWA, and, and that can be a problem for Vern Gagne. Rangan's was the guy in the ring training a lot of the guys up and coming here to the AWA. So Rangan's now jumping, so that may have had a lot to do with it. Vince McMahon acquiring the trainer over in the AWA, but not just acquiring the trainer. Again, we go back to those A, B, and now C shows the WWF is running, and they need to acquire more of that talent to fill out those shows. Brand ring is another reason he was hired by the World Wrestling Federation. We move on and update on the British Bulldogs, and more specifically, the Dynamite Kid. So we know Dynamite is out of action at this point, in traction for much of December and January. Now, he did return to film a quote-unquote match on January 26th to drop the belts to the Hart Foundation, which we'll discuss next week on The Grenade. But this week, we'll talk Davey Boy Smith, who has now been working tag team matches for all of January, teaming with random partners to replace the Dynamite Kid, from the Junkyard Dog to Billy Jack Haynes to Roddy Piper and even The Crusher. I can confirm that Smith stays on the road through January 26th, those TV tapings where they drop the belts, though it's also reported that Smith stayed on the road as late as February 1st in the Richfield Coliseum, Richfield, Ohio though there's no confirmed results of that, so it appears possibly Davy Boy and said partner, random partner for that night, were substituted out for the Rougeau brothers, but we do know that Davy Boy, without Dynamite, was working the house shows from December into January, all through January, through those TV tapings where they dropped the belts. And after the Bulldogs dropped the belts to the hearts, it looked as if Davy Boy Smith was likely to stay off the road until Dynamite's return But in classic next-man-up mentality, Smith forced back on the road to fill in for an injured George the Animal Steel for a few shots in late February. Crazy enough, Davey Boy goes back off the road after those fill-in matches for George Steele, but does return full-time with Dynamite Kid by March the 8th. So the Dynamite Kid, with that nearly career-ending back injury, back in December, the Bulldog's going to return to the ring on March the 8th. Talk about rushing things. And hey, see if this sounds familiar. We're going to talk about the Frank Tunney Memorial Tournament announced for Toronto in the Maple Leaf Gardens on March the 15th. It's the first annual, yes, Frank Tunney Memorial Tag Team Tournament. And you wrestling historians out there will have to rewrite your record books, but it was apparently Frank Tunney who brought tag team wrestling to North America. At least that's the story that WWF's telling this week. Seems as though Frank Tunney discovered this tag team phenomenon in Australia and DeMeltz gets snide with this. He says, well, if Jess McMahon supposedly invented pro wrestling in the 1920s, why not? Anyway, all the Titan teams, including the Bulldogs, will be in the tournament. And the winners of said tournament will get a shot at the Hart Foundation's tag team titles at the end of the night. That sounds fair. Not coming back next month, but hey, I'm going to go through a grueling tournament, three matches possibly here, win the whole thing, and then immediately wrestle the tag team champions thereafter. Not very well thought out. And doesn't this seem odd that this comes in a time so close to another Memorial Tag Team Tournament by the name of, uh, I don't know, Jim Crockett? Yes, the Crockett Cup. So Vince McMahon taking a page out of the book of the Crockett Cup here doing the Frank Tunney Memorial Tag Team Tournament. We move on as we got a lot of news to get into. It's a double dose of Ken this week. First, we'll talk about Ken Resnick. You'll note in the promo audio clips upcoming here in February that Ken Resnick is being phased out as an interviewer, with Mean Gene slowly returning to conduct the local promos. DeMeltz notes, as of February 1987, that Ken Resnick has not yet been fired, although he will no longer be doing television. Supposedly, Resnick wasn't working out doing the local promos, but is still on the payroll. 
Now, Resnick does disappear from the syndicated shows immediately, but he will be on primetime for a few weeks still with canned promos and commentary also on the upcoming February Boston Garden event alongside Gorilla Monsoon. Now, I said a double dose of Ken. We talked Ken Resnick. Now, let's talk the Olympic strongman, Ken Patera. It's reported that Ken Patera by February is now out of prison and on the WWE payroll waiting for a starting date. Vignettes should begin airing shortly after WrestleMania 3. So Ken Patera on his way back to the World Wrestling Federation. We move on with a little here and there. Demelt says, as hinted on TV, they're going to make an extra large belt to fit Andre. So all of the semi-smart fans will think title change. And then they'll show the belt on TV probably the week before the event. All reports are that Andre will not be wrestling after this match, and there is considerable concern about him getting through this match without exploding into a billion little giants. Oxymoron there, Dave. More news. Apparently, Titan gave up on its plans to tour Japan during the month of April. Rumors abound that they'll hold a European tour in April instead. I took a peek, Dave, and that doesn't happen either. A quick loop through Canada is more like it. Titan Sports also suing magazine publisher George Napolitano. Well, that's terrible. And famous boxing historian Burt Sugar. And he's also to blame for that awful Complete Idiot's Guide to Pro Wrestling book uh, with Captain Lou mentioned as an author as well. Apparently, Titan is suing Napolitano and Sugar for $10 and $20 million, respectively, over their publication of some sort of a book with Titan's registered trademark names. And a, a quick Google search, guys, and I found that that book to be called The Pictorial History of Wrestling, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, released back in 1985. Not sure uh, what wound up happening there. I'll have to ask uh, Napolitano. But the book is out there. It is available. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking Vince didn't get his 10 or $20 million out of this one. Hulk Hogan made headlines. When do I not, brother? This time he made it in the Winnipeg Sun as a reporter was shooting photos of Hulk Hogan in training in a local gym, and then the outraged Hulkster grabbed the camera and exposed the film. Take that, brother. Possibly a bit of roid rage there from the Hulkster. What's that smell? <laughs> Demeltz claims that it appears that Outback Jack wrestled for a small Australian promotion under the name Sergeant Green before coming to this country. Sergeant Green? Jeez, get your, get your jokes ready, guys. Really? Sergeant Green? That's got to be a rib. No worries, mate. I'm Outback Jack. You know, and I also don't even recall Jack ever mentioning the supposed Australian run in any of his interviews, so, so who knows if this is legit or not. But the name Sergeant Green, that, that, that definitely fits. Demelts also reports Hacksaw Jim Duggan debuts at the February 17th TV tapings. Wrong again, Dave. He does not. Duggan will actually start on the house shows February 14th. He'll appear on the live Boston Garden event March 7th. That's his first actual appearance on TV. And his first TV taping will be on the March 10th Superstars taping, which won't air until March 21st, which will be his national TV debut, Duggan's debut in the WWF versus the Iron Sheik. Oh, the irony. The irony Sheik. Duggan will make his TV debut only a week before WrestleMania 3. Wow. One thing's for sure with Duggan on the way in, they certainly won't need Corporal Kirshner now to work the evil foreigners of the Seatown shows and the throwaway events. Supposedly, when Duggan debuts, he will feud with Kamala and get a heavy push 
The WWF magazines would also support this logic during the spring of 87, because I, I did see mention of Duggan looking to feud with Kamala. Of course, that never really happens. And it's kind of hilarious here. After weeks of Meltzer reporting Duggan versus Kamala as a match scheduled for WrestleMania 3, he flips his script here and he says, I don't expect Duggan versus Kamala until after WrestleMania, because if they are finalizing and announcing the card in February, his TV debut won't even air until February 28th. Wrong again, Dave. As stated, Duggan doesn't even debut until March 21st, almost a month later. Which is, you know, obviously the reason we don't get Duggan versus Kamala, which is also unfortunate because I'd rather have seen that match than at least a few other matches on that card for sure. And we're on to WrestleMania 3 news, and tons of it, guys. So at this point, we're about two months out, and here is what WrestleMania appears to be boiling down to. Rumors still abound of Vince McMahon actually wrestling at this point. Could you imagine that back in 1987? A Minneapolis TV station reported this past week that McMahon would wrestle Jesse the Body Ventura on the big show. Wow. Talk about a semi-main event. But it's actually funny how, as, as things become more obvious for the event, Dave Meltzer abandons his original predictions, either ignoring the fact that he ever made them, or rationalizing why those matches would be silly to have, even though he's the one who initially reported them. Like Vince McMahon and Bruno San Martino versus Jesse Ventura and Danny Davis. Yes, that was uh, one of the early matches Dave Meltzer predicted for the WrestleMania 3 card. We'll get more into that here in just a moment, but DeMeltzer also says, I believe a tag team match will be either the Can-Am Connection winning the tag team titles from the Hart Foundation or, or something to the effect of the Bulldogs or Can-Ams teaming with Tito Santana against the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis in six-man action. Most of the WrestleMania hype is now in gear. We will probably get the complete card within the next week or so. That's early February. But this much Dave knows. He says there will be 12 matches, correct? 11 of which will be announced by February 21st, also correct. The last match will be a gimmick match, which won't be announced until early March. That 12th match will actually be the Honky Tonk Man versus Jake the Snake Roberts, not a gimmick match, Dave. Now remember just a couple paragraphs ago, I mentioned Meltzer speculating that Vince McMahon will be wrestling as part of the upcoming big WrestleMania 3 pay-per-view? Well, this is one of those times where he just flips the script. Listen to this one. DeMelt says, please don't jump to the conclusion that Vince McMahon is wrestling. On a show of this magnitude, he's got more important things to attend to. And it's as if Dave never made the speculation to begin with. We learn that the show will last three hours from 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and celebrities are being contacted for appearances. The celebrities, like last year, will probably be getting bigger and better payoffs than all but a few of the wrestlers. Also true. We go on, Dave says, Don't expect the crowds for live shows to be all that impressive just because the focus of the attention will be on WrestleMania. Titan probably won't do well at the gate over the summer either, unless Jim Duggan hits it real big, real fast, because of limited appearances for Hogan and the fact that as of current plans, Roddy Piper, honest and truly, won't be wrestling all summer long. Piper is talking retirement, WrestleMania to be its final match. But Meltzer, he doesn't expect that to last more than a few months. Oh, Dave, with the negativity. We fast forward a few observers later, and we learn that Mary Hart of Entertainment Tonight, now part of WrestleMania, as the guest timekeeper for the main event. Hey, did you guys know that Mary Hart had her legs insured by the Lloyds of London for $2 million in 1980s money? And I'm not sure what year that was done, but if we're talking, say, 1987, let's just say she insured her legs in 1987 for $2 million. Guys, that's over $5 million in 2022 money. So 
Lloyds of London. Hmm. Between Mary Hart and all of the Minnesota wrestling boys taking advantage of the payouts during the 1990s, it was clear the Lloyds were suckers. Oh, here's a fun one. Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre will be the guest ring announcer of the main event at WrestleMania, one of my personal favorite guest celebrities ever. Bob got it, guys, if you know what I'm talking about. Let's go back and watch his promos. Go back and watch Bob at WrestleMania 3 and WrestleMania 4. He looked like he was having a blast, and he understood what professional wrestling was. And I was always a big fan of the TV show Mr. Belvedere as well growing up in the 80s, so I love me some Bob Euchre. We also learned that Aretha Franklin will be brought in to sing America the Beautiful and heavy metal rocker Alice Cooper to be in the corner of Jake the Snake Roberts for his match at the pay-per-view. Also, reportedly, Bruce Boxleitner, that's Agent Scarecrow of the TV show Scarecrow and Mrs. King, reported as a possible celebrity. I always thought that was a weird one there. Scarecrow and Mrs. King canceled in 1987, so it's just an odd choice. Then again, at WrestleMania 2, we had celebs like Burger King's Herb and Wendy's Clara Peller. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Though I did love that commercial. It's also reported at this point that Samantha Fox has agreed to participate in WrestleMania 3. You might be asking, who is Samantha Fox? Well, I didn't know either, so I had to do a Google search. And at the time in 1987, Samantha Fox was a 20-year-old British pop singer. But before that, she was a model who had already posed in lingerie and even topless by the age of 16 in the United Kingdom back in 1983. Then, from 1984 to 1986, she was pinup girl of the year over in England repeatedly. Wow, three years running. Now, I did mention Fox was a British pop singer. Well, she started her pop singing career in 1986. So she's less than a year into her pop singing career. And I should point out, that career also based mostly in the United Kingdom. So do the math here, guys. You know why she was really disgusted to be brought in. It wasn't for pop singer status. Uh, I, I, I questioned, uh, was this a Howard Finkel suggestion? For those in the know, get what I mean. And it's intriguing to think about Fox's potential spot here as part of the WrestleMania card. She was to give the crown to the winner of the King Harley Race versus Junkyard Dog match. Just go back to the Peacock or the WWE Network, however you watch old WWE events. In one of those February, maybe early March episodes of Primetime Wrestling, we'll get into that when we get there. Bobby Heenan actually announces on primetime that Samantha Fox will be part of the match, giving the crown away to the winner of the match. So as far as I know right now, it's only mentioned one time on TV by Bobby Heenan on primetime wrestling, but clearly it was in discussion. Samantha Fox at one point gave her word to come in from the UK to work WrestleMania 3. Now she pulls out, obviously, and maybe we'll get a little more into that as, as we go on as well. But who does this lingerie and topless model this pinup girl of the year running three years straight here in the mid-80s. Who does she get replaced by here at WrestleMania 3? Or who else but the fabulous Moolah? <coughs> Talk about a drastic contrast there. And yes, poor Moolah thrown into it last minute. It looks like a deer in the headlights at WrestleMania, but we'll talk about that closer and actually at WrestleMania 3. We roll on, though, as there's more to talk about. Two more names completely unconfirmed, but subject of several wild rumors are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Pete Rose attending WrestleMania. Well, Dave's off by about a decade, but Pete Rose does make a few WrestleManias in the future. Mean Gene actually makes mention on some of these WrestleMania 3 reports here in February that we can see special appearances working in the corner of the Can-Am Connection as well as Hulk Hogan. Very curious as to who those names were meant to be. 
Demelt speculates that Captain Lou Albano will be in the corner of Hulk Hogan. I wrote, Ew, Dave. Just no. Please no. There's also a few rumors of Sylvester Stallone, Sly himself, being in Hulk Hogan's corner at the big pay-per-view. But we've also heard those rumors as part of WrestleMania 1 and 2, so don't put too much stock into those, says Demelts. It appears Dino Bravo will be in the corner of the Dream Team, Valentine and Beefcake, as they go up against Bravo's French rivals from Montreal, that being the Rougeau brothers. Meltzer also says, I'm sure Bruno Sammartino is going to be involved in some way as well. You would think, Dave. You would think. We roll on. More Observer news. All the talk in wrestling right now is about WrestleMania 3 on March 29th at the Pontiac Silverdome, plus probably around 150 closed-circuit sites around the country, and lots of pay-per-view availability as well. Dave continues on. He says, I actually watched a complete Titan TV show this week, and it was so impressive it was scary. The way they've got this Hogan-Andre thing built up, my expectations are that Mania 3 will be bigger than either of the first two even though they have a real lack of support underneath. Last year, if you recall, they hyped the three main events as pretty much equals. The Battle Royal, the boxing match, Hogan and Bundy. And by the end of February, we will know the entire WrestleMania lineup. And here's how Demelts breaks it down. Break it down! The Killer Bees versus the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. On paper, a decent opener with four guys who are going nowhere. The work should be decent, but I wouldn't expect anything more. As for the result, I figure this is a toss-up, with the B's slight favorites because of the switching gimmick. Coco Beware versus the Natural Butch Reed. While it sounds good, Reed's work lately has been disappointing because his knees are in bad shape and he just hasn't gotten over one-tenth as well as the big wigs, and I'm sure he himself had expected. Coco should be pushed more because the kids love him, but he's already relegated to being a glorified jobber. Reed will certainly win this match, probably with the help of Slick, but it'll be up to Coco for this to be a good match. The Rougeau brothers taking on Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Jacques Rougeau has been hurt a lot as of late, but if he's in good shape, this could be the second best match on the card. Rougeau's will be slight favorites, but I'm picking the upset here. I'm figuring Martel and Zink will be tag team champions shortly after this card, and they'll need one heel team to score a decisive win here on the pay-per-view. And the Dream Team have been laying low for a while. The Rougeos seem to have lost their position as the upcoming good-looking team to the Can-Am Connection, and will probably fade into anonymity like the Bees before too long. Well, you don't have to be Nostradamus to figure that one out, Dave. Speaking of the Can-Ams, Rick Martel, Tom Zink, slated to take on the Magnificent Morocco and Bob Orton is part of WrestleMania. This could have been a great match if it were Martel and Zink of 1990, when Zink finally gets it all together, against Morocco and Orton of 1980. But in 1987, it's two burned-out, used-up heels, the washed-up express, says DeMelt, versus one super talent in Rick Martel, and one guy who is learning but slowly learning at that in Tom Zink. DeMelt wouldn't be shocked to see Morocco and Orton win to establish them as number-one contenders but only if the Can-Ams are likely to win the belts a week later. However, Meltzer contradicts himself in the same paragraph, saying, but that would be stupid. The Can-Ams are the team in Titans' current plans. He's 90% sure Martell and Zink are going over there. Hillbilly Jim, teaming with Midget's Little Beaver and the Haiti Kid to take on King Kong Bundy, with Midget's Lord Littlebrook and Tokyo. Strictly comedy stuff, says DeMeltz. 
Little Tokyo has more ability than Hillbilly Jim and Bundy combined. The best thing they can do is keep the little guys in there for most of the match to keep people entertained. Jake the Snake Roberts against the Honky Tonk Man. Jake will be a full-fledged babyface before this takes place, and along with Jim Duggan, the KM Connections, and Steamboat, Jake will have to carry Titan on that side through the early summer. Meltzer goes on, he says, unless they work an angle on TV where Jake gets beaten up, my guess is this will end indecisively and will work to start up a new feud. In other words, Jake is going to bleed and get beat up after the match, probably with either a gimmick or interference. Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules Hernandez. These two aren't the best of wrestlers, I beg to differ. Love me some Hercules. But Meltzer says they love to work against each other. Should be a decent match, albeit nothing spectacular. Heenan is going to lose a lot of steam in the main event with Andre, so Hercules has got to go over here. Does he now? Probably with the help of Bobby the Brain Heenan. The King Harley Race taking on the junk food... Damn it, Dave. The Junkyard Dog. No matter how hard Harley tries, they haven't had a good match yet, and they won't here either. Meltzer says, I guess this is Harley's ultimate punishment, being involved in the worst match on the card and having to put over the worst wrestler in the country in front of the biggest crowd ever. Really, Dave? Now we get to the big matches. Rowdy Roddy Piper and the adorable Adrian Adonis. This is Roddy's last match, at least until the end of the summer, speculates Meltzer. These two have had some real good matches as of late, and this will be a hair versus hair. My guess is that Piper will get his hand raised, but will take a beating most of the match and probably after it as well. There will probably be some sort of an angle worked at the end in case Piper wants to come back. Maybe Adonis will then become a masked wrestler after having his head shaved. Dave's speculating like he knows something there, but just taking a page out of Buddy Rose, Chris Adams, Gino Hernandez, that had been done many times before. Buddy Jack Roberts with the wig, Kurt Angle used many years later as well. Six-man tag team action, the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana taking on the tag team champions by that point, the Hart Foundation, along with former referee Danny Davis. Meltzer says, I'd rather not think about this match. Davey Boy is a good wrestler, and, and Tito can be when he tries. When the Hearts have their working shoes on, they are quite good, but the presence of the Dynamite Kid will make this one painful to watch. Hopefully he'll be able to hide what he's been through, because Titan sure isn't going to acknowledge it. They have spent far too much time pushing Danny Davis to have him lose here. I guess that's true. My guess is he'll discover a gimmick and use it to pull the upset, setting up a summer feud versus Tito Santana. Wow. Though as a kid, as much as it, as little sense as it made to me, Danny Davis scoring a win, the referee, the former referee scoring the win over a wrestler, as you get older and learn the business, absolutely makes it would be silly for Danny Davis to do a job here in his debut match after months of getting all of that heel heat going. And it's on to the big two. First, the semi-main, if you will. Intercontinental champion Randy Savage scheduled to take on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. George Steele in the corner of the Dragon Elizabeth, of course, in the corner of Macho Man Randy Savage. Figure this is a match that will be called upon to save the show if it's been bad up to this point, or make a good show great if it's just okay. When Savage wants to be, he's as good as anyone except three or four guys in the business. I'd love to know the list Dave has here. Savage as good as anybody except for maybe three or four guys in the business. Steamboat is no problem either. We know he's going to be excellent here as he carried Hercules to a damn good match last year at WrestleMania. Dave's guess is, since Savage is going to drop the strap, he'll put on one hell of a performance, and this should easily be the highlight of the card. Dave hitting home runs with these softball pitches here. 
Savage and Steamboat going to be a hell of a performance and easily the highlight of the card? Yeah, I think everybody saw that walking in. And after the story they told with Steamboat and his larynx and the injury and all of that and coming back and looking for revenge, Savage holding the belt for over a year at this point, you just knew it was time for the Macho Man to move on to bigger things and Steamboat to really get, get, get a title that he, he's deserved for quite a while. And of course, then the main event, WWF champion Hulk Hogan taking on Andre the Giant. Meltzer says, forget the hype and all the glitz. The crowd is going to be so psyched that this won't be dull. Remember that. As long as they stay around six to seven minutes. If they go any shorter, fans will think they're ripped off. Any longer, fans will realize just how bad this match is. Let's look at it seriously. Andre hasn't wrestled since August. He's got a bad back and his health isn't the greatest. He's 40 years old and on the inside, probably closer to 65. On top of all of that, he's more than 100 pounds overweight. Meltzer then with a cute little line here. He says, Andre gets winded jogging his memory. I'd give you a rim shot there, Dave, if it were funny. Meltzer goes on, the only thing we can be thankful for about this match is that they aren't wearing boxing gloves. There's a shot at WrestleMania 2. Andre's health must be awfully bad when you consider that with the exception of the upcoming Saturday night's main event Battle Royal, he won't have one tune-up match. My guess is Andre is really a retired wrestler looking for one last big payday, and he'll get the biggest one of his career here at WrestleMania. All the heat has been placed on Heenan, not Andre. The best part of this whole promotion is that 85 to 90% of the fans believe the belt is going to change hands here, which is why it'll pop. Meltzer says Andre is going to lose, probably by pin. My guess is someone, maybe Heenan, maybe Orndorff, will try to interfere and it'll backfire. The Giant will take the fall. A real quick count. Andre will get mad and come out of this as the babyface shaking Hulk's hand, and we'll all live happily ever after. Especially if we never have to watch a rematch. Got some bad news for Dave Meltzer there. Meltzer closes this by saying that Hulk will have to carry this match, a scary thought, and probably sell the whole time. My guess is, if Andre goes down more than once or twice, he'll never get back up. Meltzer speculating that the crowd's going to be so hot, it won't matter how good or bad this match is, it's going to be okay. It won't be dull, he says. We'll have to wait and see what he says at, after the match actually takes place. See if he contradicts himself there. But not expecting a whole lot from the two in the ring. Andre, no, no doubt, looking back, as we all can now, the poor health of Andre the Giant walking into this and how they got what they got out of this is just absolutely amazing. But there's, like I said, there's loads of WrestleMania news, so we will go on. It's written that the Titan folks seem obsessed with selling out the Silverdome. About 85,000 seats, should they do it, which would come near a $2 million gate. Hey, that's as much as uh, Mary Hart's legs. Wow. Unless the Dome is sold out 10 days in advance, there will be no closed circuit nor pay-per-view of the show in the state of Michigan. Tickets range from $100 ringside to $9 in the cheap seats. Now, we'll ignore the $9 price because you really couldn't even see up there. I appreciate those people wanting to be part of the show, however. And at least there were some screens to watch, but think about that. Put that in perspective. $100 ringside for WrestleMania 3. That's about $250 in today's money. $250 ringside WrestleMania 3. People talk about the cost of going to events, not just wrestling, but all events now being ridiculous. And I understand supply and demand, but I'm going to go on like a 30-second rant here about how hard it is for me as a parent and a father 
to be able to take his children to events, football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, whatever the case may be, because of the ridiculous prices of tickets today taking advantage of the nuclear family. Just really, it's just really unfortunate. And no, I'm not saying WrestleMania front row seats should be $250, $300. I understand the value should be higher than, I wouldn't mind if they were $300, but I understand the value should be higher than that. But what they have become is still absolutely ridiculous. And it has nothing to do with inflation. But I digress. And we go on. Though I do love how Dave says that Titan seems obsessed with selling out the Silverdome. Isn't that the entire point of running the Silverdome, Dave? Only because it's the WWF does he make it sound like that's a bad thing. Also, supposedly, according to the Detroit newspaper report, Titan had to pay the Joe Louis Arena, the folks who own the Joe Louis Arena, $50,000 to break Titan's exclusive lease. You see, it works both ways. Joe Louis Arena can't rent out to other wrestling events, but Titan also can't rent out other Detroit-based venues, which they have here with the Silverdome. So it's reported that Vince McMahon having to pay the people who own the Joe Louis Arena $50,000 to break the exclusive lease there in order to hold WrestleMania within 35 miles of the building. Now, the owners of the Silverdome, their share of the house is supposed to be between $350,000 to $500,000, which it does sound awfully high. If the gate, sellout gate, is only going to be a million, these numbers may not be factual. But we roll on. In the Observer, going back to February 8th, Dave says, as of this weekend, this is less than two months out, about 17,000 tickets have been sold. And with the official Andre vs. Hulk Hogan announcement airing this coming weekend, I expect sales to have topped 40,000 by next week. That's more than doubled after the Hogan and Andre announcement. Meltzer expects 40,000 by next week. After that, though, he says, it's going to get a lot tougher. So let's fast forward a week, shall we? Let's, let's look into February 15th. WrestleMania 3 has sold approximately 40,000 tickets. By mid-February, 40,000 tickets sold to the Silverdome. Magically, as Dave predicted, even though there is still five weeks left, it's going to be very difficult to actually sell 50,000 more tickets. It does sound so, as all the good seats are gone and most of the diehard fans already have them. Those who are flying in probably have made reservations, so now you're looking at mainly at the fringe folks who will attend this show in great numbers but I don't know about 50,000 more of them. Meltzer says the place is going to be filled anyway, somehow. The pay-per-view is being blacked out in both Michigan and Ontario in order to promote live gate attendance. Let's jump ahead yet another week, shall we? February 22nd. Yet another week later, and it's now reported the latest from the WrestleMania 3 front is that they've sold approximately 50,000 tickets to the live show at the Silverdome for March 29th, so just over a month away, and we're more than halfway there. And we'll continue to look at the ticket sales when we move into March of 1987 here in just a couple weeks on the grenade. But we close out February news this week, and it's time to take a deep dive look into some 1987 February house show results. Now, we won't cover every match at every event, but I did make note of many intriguing matches, intriguing results to said matches all throughout the month of February. And also on this episode, we're going to be listening to tons of sound bites featuring many of the superstars of the WWF in various localized promos, in various events ranging from the Boston Gardens to the Meadowlands to West Palm Beach, Madison Square Garden, Montreal in the Forum, even a rare promo from Jake the Snake Roberts in Winnipeg as he heads into his match with Hulk Hogan. Remember that match only took place in two cities, Providence, Rhode Island, Winnipeg, Canada. 
And while that edition of the Snake Pit is still MIA, nobody seems to be able to find it anywhere. I really hope that pops up one day. A heel Jake Roberts DDTing Hulk Hogan on the concrete set of the Snake Pit. So we don't have that, but what we do have is a very rare promo of Jake the Snake going into Winnipeg as the heel to take on WWF champion Hulk Hogan. Of course, we know Jake the Snake Roberts has a babyface turn coming very soon, and you have to think that some of that reason has a lot to do with the fans' reaction to the Jake Hogan altercation on that snake pit, but lots of sound bites upcoming from the Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Bruno San Martino, Roddy Piper, the Junkyard Dog, the King Harley Race, the Hart Foundation, the Rougeau Brothers, the Killer Bees, and so much more. And before we get going with this segment of the show, quick shout out to the History of WWE website for some of these results. And Richard Land, the Landman, you can go over to the historyofwwe.com for more results here of the World Wrestling Federation and beyond. And I do want to mention I do a pretty good job myself of research here on results. Anything I do, I do extensive research. Anyone who knows me already knows that. So I did use varying sources from the internet, of course, from dirt sheets and from my own personal collection of results over the years. And actually, I encourage you guys to go over to the history of WWE.com and pull up those 1987 WWF results. It's a lot easier to scroll along with me there for those who want to follow along, as it's quite a fun time sifting through results of years gone by. So let's get going, shall we, with, with house show results from February 1987. It all starts February 1st. Where else? We're going to take a quick look at some of the matches in Toronto, Ontario, Maple Leaf Gardens, February 1st in front of 10,000 fans on the card. Sounds like a fun one in another territory and in another era. Anyway, Adrian Adonis over Dick Slater. Also, the Can-Am Connection continue their winning ways over the team of Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Billy Jack Haynes goes to a double DQ with Hercules. They'll be squaring off at WrestleMania. The team of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and George the Animal Steel defeating the team of the Honky Tonk Man. An IC champion, Macho Man Randy Savage, Steamboat, scoring the win here on the Macho Man. Pinfall win via high cross body block. Steamer getting a small bit of revenge here in the Maple Leaf Garden. We move on also. February 1st, Richfield, Ohio, the Richfield Coliseum, the site of the first ever Survivor Series pay-per-view. Later here in the year of 87, here on this card, well, we don't have complete results, but I did find this interesting. Now, the main event saw Hulk Hogan scoring the pinfall victory over Kamala as that house show feud begins to come to an end. Also on this show, though, it was reported, and this is what we talked about earlier in the news when the Bulldogs were taken off the road, it's reported the show was to feature WWF Tag Team Champion Davey Boy Smith and a substitute for the Dynamite Kid going up against Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, the Hart Foundation. Though it can't be confirmed, I have been told that Davey Boy did work up until this February 1st show, so very curious if anybody out there in the Richfield, Ohio, or Cleveland, Ohio area went to this event. They know who actually took on the Heart Foundation. Was it indeed Davey Boy and a quote-unquote mystery partner, or was it a completely different tag team? Was it the Rougeos? Did Davey Boy work this event? Hey, do us a favor, guys. If you're out there and you're in the know, let us know. Just trying to figure out another part of wrestling history there. We move on to February 2nd, Evansville, Indiana, at the Roberts Memorial Stadium. Sees Roddy Piper over adorable Adrian Adonis. Also, Lanny Poffo in a suit of armor winning a 20-man $50,000 bunkhouse battle royal, last eliminating Nikolai Volkov. Throwback to the old Memphis territory, Lanny Poffo wearing a suit of armor. That had to be fun to lug around the airports. 
the WWF in Quebec City at the Coliseo de Quebec. Also on February 2nd, in front of 9,000, saw Natural Butch Reed battle Billy Jack Haynes to a draw. Jerry Allen defeating Johnny V by DQ when Dino Bravo interfered. The hometown boys, the Rougeau brothers. Over the Hart Foundation, Dino Bravo also scoring a win over Tito Santana. Imagine that, guys going over in their hometowns. And in the main event, Quebec City, it was WWF champion Hulk Hogan over Kamala. We'll even look at the Seatown show here for February 2nd. We're running three shows a night in West Milford, New Jersey, high school gym. What do the matches look like on a show like this? Women's WWF Tag Team Champions Leilani Kai and Judy Martin, the future Glamour Girls, over the team of Velvet McIntyre and Angie Minnelli. Also, Corporal Kirshner battling the Iron Sheik and Coco Beware scoring a win over King Kong Bundy, albeit by countout in the main event of the Sea Show. Coco Ware over King Kong Bundy, countout or not. You look at this, you look at Bundy's match at WrestleMania 3, you would think somehow Big Man's in the doghouse. February 3rd, Phoenix, Arizona, Veterans Memorial Coliseum, featuring yet another of those bunkhouse battle royals, also Roddy Piper, scoring a victory over the adorable Adrian Adonis. And here's a match I'd love to get my hands on, Syracuse, New York, February 3rd, the Onondaga War Memorial. Listen to this one, guys. Bruno Sammartino scoring a win over Kamala on a countout. Bruno Sammartino over Kamala. Would have loved to have seen that one. Anybody got any pictures of this match? I'd love to see that. February 4th, Watertown, New York. Hey, I went through Watertown one time at the high school gym. First time I ever saw beer in a Denny's. Here in Watertown, we're at the high school gym. Rick Martell versus Butch Reed on the undercard, as well as the Rujos taking on Tag Team Champion Heart Foundations. The main event saw Billy Jack Haynes taking on Kamala. Now, no results for this show, but an intriguing lineup here, including Rick Martell of the Can-Ams taking on Butch Reed on the undercard, then Haynes and Kamala in the main event. First, we get Bruno and Kamala. Now it's Haynes and Kamala here a day later. You have to wonder, has Hulk Hogan pulled himself off the road? Were these scheduled to be Hulk Hogan shows? Based on the uh, events, I'm going to go with no, specifically here in a high school gym. So it seems as though Hogan has been taken off the road. Kamala's kind of been relegated to the B or C shows. So you go from, from making those big money paydays with the Hulkster to working Billy Jack Haynes in a high school gym. No offense to Billy Jack, but it is what it is. Also February 4th, Salt Lake City, Utah. The team of the new U.S. Express, Bybee and Rotunda, battle demolition to a time limit draw. Also Blackjack Mulligan picks up a win in one of those bunkhouse battle royals and Roddy Piper scoring a pinfall victory over Adrian Adonis. Also, February 4th, Lowell, Massachusetts, yet another win for Coco Beware over King Kong Bunny once again on a countout. But here's the funny part. The local newspaper reported Coco Ware defeated King Kong Bunny on a countout, plus other preliminary matches. Can you imagine how far down the line you have to be when you're considered other preliminary matches below the match of Coco Beware versus King Kong Bundy? Hey, this ain't Memphis, guys. WWF in Sacramento, California, February 6th. Blackjack Mulligan, another big win in a bunkhouse battle royal. Roddy Piper continues to defeat Adrian Adonis in the main events as well. And then it's on to the Forum in Montreal, February 6th, for a big show featuring Pat Patterson interviewing the Rougeau brothers in the ring. All famous French Canadians there in Montreal. Also on the card, the Battle of the Splashes. King Kong Bunny taking on Kamala that night. The Islanders going up against the team of Dino Bravo and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Now, there's no confirmation that this match actually took place because Orndorff's last confirmed date of competing in the ring at this point was January 31st. And by February 7th, he's only doing a run-in 
at the Boston Garden, and after that, he subbed out after that date. So it seems highly unlikely here that Dino Bravo actually teamed up with Orndorff for this show to take on the Islanders here in Montreal. Very curious to the results there. Also on the show, in a no-disqualification match, I'd have to imagine somehow Randy Savage scored the win over Steamboat because Savage retained the title. This was billed as a no-DQ match. I don't have the results here. Can't seem to find them anywhere online, but curious to see how that played out as well. So anybody who has results to this Montreal Forum show for February 6, 1987, please send them our way. Now at this point, a tour of Australia. Remember the promo we listened to before between Davey Boy Smith and Outback Jack, as surreal as that was? Those two guys together in the same promo. A tour of Australia was scheduled to take place beginning February 7th through February 13th. However, that was canceled. Meltzer reports Titans Australian tour, which was to include Owen Hart under another name. Now we saw Owen work a little bit here in 86 as Owen James. But Owen Hart was scheduled to be part of this Australian tour. Dynamite Kid and Andre the Giant also scheduled to be part of this tour. And it's reported that this entire tour was canceled mainly due to Dynamite's injury as well as Andre's inability to work prior to WrestleMania 3. WWF not taking any chances here. You mean Outback Jack couldn't have sold out the venues by himself? So not a lot of faith in Outback Jack at this time. We'll have to see if that changes in the weeks and months to come. So the WWF doesn't go to Australia on February 7th, but they do go to the Boston Garden. And headlining the event for this month, it's Intercontinental Champion Macho Man Randy Savage taking on the living legend Bruno Sammartino in a lumberjack match. Let's have a little fun. Let's listen to both Bruno and the Macho Man on their upcoming match. And the return match for the Intercontinental title right here at the Garden February the 7th. The Macho Man Randy Savage to face the challenge of wrestling's own living legend Bruno San Martino. But Saturday, February 7th, Bruno, a little different story. This time, nowhere to run. A lumberjack match in the ring surrounded by wrestlers. Well, you know, Kenneth, before we talk about the lumberjack match, let's backtrack a little bit. Here's the Intercontinental Champion, right? The Macho Man, right? This gutless punk, what does he do in Boston? First of all, he goes in the ring first, right? Uh, he, had a, he had a plan. Boy, this guy really had a plan. When I tried to get into the ring, he was trying everything. To, 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 he talked about cheap shots. He tried everything to get me some cheap shots. But when he couldn't do it, because I finally powered my way into the ring, what does the macho man do, the intercontinental champion? He gets Elizabeth. Gets Elizabeth, this poor petite girl, in front of him to protect himself so that I couldn't get home. I couldn't believe it that the guy, that spine, that got us to do something like that, but I did get home. And when I got home, I, I was teaching him a lesson of his life, but what does he do? He's in trouble, kept running, kept running to save himself. I finally got so disgusted, I went after him, and I pondered his head on that outside ring. But out of desperation, as I was trying to get back in the ring, because I, I, I was listening to the count of the referee, he took a chair. Here's the guy talking about cheap shot. He took a chair, and he really threw that thing, and he caught me in the back of the head and the, and the upper shoulders. And yes, it stopped me enough for me to fall back off the apron, and he rolled in, and he gets the victory. First of all, in my opinion, I think it should have been a disqualification. Secondly, yeah, I gave him a cheap shot from the back. He was boasting about when I came in there, and I'm going to tell you something, Chad. This man's got to be in pain, but the job isn't finished, because I showed him what this old man still has left. I put a bear hug on him that I know that his ribs... He couldn't breathe. He was screaming. I wish the fence could have heard that. This guy was screaming, screaming. But there were seven guys, unfortunately, pulling at my arms because it had not been for those seven guys. There would be no return match because that man would have been finished. He would have been finished. However, this is a lumberjack match. That means that he can run out because if he runs out, he's going to be going. And, and like Steamboat says, he better not run out of Steamboat's way because I know the feeling there and I know what he'd like to do. 
But the thing is, we're going to laugh. And this time, when I put on that bear hug punk, I'm going to show you how much power this guy's left. I'm going to keep squeezing till I hear every rust and bone in your stinking body crack. And when I'm through laying you there, then I'm going to take that title, and then I'm going to put it up for an elimination tournament and let a deserving man wear that belt. Someone that can make, we can be proud of. It's Join Derby Awards, Saturday, February 7th. Boston Garden, Saturday night, February 7th. A match signed this past week. So what happened right here in Boston last Saturday night? The return match has been signed for the Intercontinental title. So Macho Man Randy Savage will face the challenge of wrestling's living legend Bruno San Martino. But it will be a lumberjack match. The ring surrounded by wrestlers. This one is going to be settled one way or the other. Boston Garden, Saturday. Let me tell you something about the living legend Bruno San Martino. I know how he reigned supreme for all those years. He was the king of the cheap shots, yeah. He was the king of the cheap shots. Not only after Ricky Steamboat got put in the hospital did he cheap shot me, but he cheap shot me in the Boston Gardens when he came down that aisle, yeah. And then at the end of the match, when the macho man's hand was raised in victory, in victory, in victory, then, then the old man, what he does, man, he couldn't take it, he couldn't swallow it right there. No, man, he would have choked and died. Because of all that foolish pride that he had, but he gave me a knee in the back, and she shot me again. Right when I was pointing the gorilla man's stone, and telling him, didn't I say that I was going to put him away? Didn't I say that he was going to put Didn't I say that he was going to go completely down? But he cheap shot at me, and put the bear hug on me, and then seven wrestlers going to the ring, and they backed little San Martino, and hold him on top of me! Right there, with the lumberjack net on a silver plan of Bruno San Martino. I don't know what's going to happen, but somehow I'm going to get the old man. All right, and the living legend Bruno San Martino booking ahead here. He says he's not only going to win the Intercontinental title, but he's going to vacate the belt, and it's going to go up for an elimination tournament. Bruno, the booker there in Macho Man Randy Savage, says Bruno was the king of the cheap shots, claiming that's how San Martino made his name. Also stating that Bruno cheap-shotted the Macho Man when we got that awesome soundbite. You piece of slime! All right, we're going to go on with detailed results of this Boston Garden event, but before we do, listen to this. Bruno Sammartino drew the first sellout at the Boston Gardens. That's 16,000 fans, guys. He drew the first sellout at the Boston Garden in more than a year. So Savage versus Sammartino draws the first sellout in the Boston Gardens in over a year, guys. DeMelt says even Hulk Hogan hasn't been able to sell out Boston since 1985, although he came very close in a match with Randy Savage and would have easily sold it out versus Orndorff or even Kamala, but neither bout was held in Boston. I wrote, intriguing. It's intriguing that the Hulk Hogan feuds with Orndorff and even Kamala never made its way through Boston. What did Hogan have against Boston? It easily seems like a town you would want to do Hogan and Orndorff, or even Hogan and Kamala for that matter. But this event? February 7th, Boston Garden televised on the New England Sports Network, and it's out there, guys, including Gorilla Monsoon and Ken Resnick, still there, on commentary. And we'll start getting into results here. Tama of the Islanders pinning Frenchie Martin, a substitute for the natural Butch Reed, with a, after a flying body press. Tama did the old macho man spot, crawling under the ring, confusing Frenchie Martin, then coming out the other side from behind, scoring the win over Martin, who was a substitute for Butch Reed. Butch Reed's manager, Slick actually did guest commentary for this match. Also on the card, remember Coco Beware main eventing those C-shows? Well, here he's on the underneath, pinning the Red Demon. That's Jose Luis Rivera. Coco getting a win over the Demon with a missile drop kick in about 10 minutes. 
And then we have an upcoming match featuring the mighty Hercules, Bobby Heenan in his corner, taking on this man, Billy Jack Haynes. Billy Jack Haynes, the master of the full Nelson, to face Bobby the Brain Heenan's Hercules and Billy Jack. After all that's transpired these past few weeks, I think perhaps the Brain and Hercules may have awakened a sleeping giant in the master of the full Nelson. Ken, when I get up and uh, conduct the interview, I like to do it very professionally. I don't like to scream and yell. But now it's gotten to the point where it's time to scream and yell. Hernandez, Heenan, okay, I don't know what's up your sleeve, man. I'm in the best shape of my life in pro wrestling because the World Wrestling Federation is worse. They have the top talent in the world. And I know you are, Hercules. Over a 500-pound bench press, I know you're big. I know you're bad. Now, I've seen what you did to me in the full Nelson there. You put it on me. I felt your strength. I don't know if I could have broken it or not. I had darn near feel like my neck broke. Now, look, I'm the master of the full Nelson for five years, Hernandez, Hercules, whoever you want to be called, punk. And I'm telling you, it'll take a back step from nobody. And in the Boston Garden, February 7th, we're going to go toe-to-toe down that road. I don't care where we end up. But if I get that full Nelson on you, Hercules, I swear to you, I'll break your neck with it. I'll break it right in the middle of the ring, punk. Okay, and some interesting results here in the Hercules-Haynes match. Listen to this one. Hercules pinned Billy Jack Haynes in about 10 minutes after the unscheduled to appear Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff interfered and hit a double axe handle off the top rope onto Haynes, who had the full Nelson applied to Hercules. So it plays out like this. Bobby Heenan gets up, distracts the referee. Billy Jack Haynes has his opponent Hercules in the full Nelson finisher, when out of nowhere, the unscheduled, unannounced Paul Orndorff, who wasn't even supposed to be part of this show, happens to be in the area, which again makes me question, was he really in Montreal the night before? And with Heenan distracting the referee, out comes Paul Orndorff back to the ring. And I, and I say back to the ring, we'll get to that in a second. Paul Orndorff out to the ring, off the top rope, double axe handle, nails Haynes, allowing Hercules to score the pin there. Now, while he was unscheduled to be part of this event, Orndorff was introduced prior to this matchup before the crowd, before going backstage. So out he comes. So we knew Orndorff was there. We didn't know why he was there. And then it becomes obvious here. Nevertheless, Hercules Hernandez getting a big win over Billy Jack Haynes here in Boston. Also, we saw Haku of the Islanders pinning Terry Gibbs, great hand, in about four and a half minutes with a diving headbutt from the middle rope. And then it's on for some tag team action as the Rougeos scheduled to take on the new WWF Tag Team Champions, the Hart Foundation, that's Bret Hart, Jim the Anvil, Neidhart. Now, title's not on the line here, guys, because this match was made well before the title change. And why don't we go back and listen to both teams? The Rougeos and the Hearts. It will be the Rougeos, Jacques and Raymond against Bret the Hitman, Jim the Anvil, the Heart Foundation. And Raymond, I know you and your brother have been wrestling all over North America, and I certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes to come out and talk about this all-important matchup here in Boston. Thank you, Kenny. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And it's always a pleasure for my brother and I to come back to Boston. But this time it's not going to be for any fun fair. It's going to be for a war with the Heart Foundation. You know, Kenny, we've had some battles with this Heart Foundation, and they are right now in front of us. They're stopping us from having our title match with the Bulldogs that we've been wanting for so long. So maybe this time in Boston, at the Boston Garden, it's going to be settled once and for all. You know, I mean, the Heart Foundation are a great team, and they are formidable competitors. I mean, I have to give them that. But my brother and I have one thing in mind and one thing only. We've told you we want to become the tag team champions. So Heart get out of our way or we're going to get you out of our way. And it's all Boston Garden Saturday night, February 7th. Boston Garden Saturday night, February 7th. It'll be the Rougeau brother Jacques and Raymond against Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Nyhart, 
the Hart Foundation here at the Garden Saturday, February the 7th. <laughs> what? 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 You're asking all the questions? You want to ask me a question? Huh? All right, your opinion. Shut up! Let me ask you a question, Ivy League. You've been to school, right? Well, certainly. And you've had to take a biology class. You've been to a biology class, right? Yes. And what's the first thing, the first lesson they teach you in a biology class? You learn to dissect a frog. Oh, correct. You are smart. And you know, they give all the students in the class a frog. And what they do, what's the first thing they do? They give each student a little pin. They take the frog. They put the pin right on the frog's head. And you go, <laughs> they scramble its brain. And then they go on a dissection. That's just a pure medical fact. <laughs> sort of. Sort of what's going to happen right here in Boston, see? The foundation of the Rougeos are heading into a little head-on collision. Except for one problem. The Rougeos, their brains are scrambled. <laughs> so the foundation is going to annihilate the Rougeos once and for all and end this little winning streak that the Rougeos have been bragging about. You see it, Boston? <laughs> well, we will find out Boston Garden Saturday night, February 7th. Of course, those promos recorded prior to the Hart Foundation winning the WWF Tag Team titles that very day. Yes, the WWF in Boston Garden on February 7th, but also the match in which the Bulldogs lose the titles to the Hearts aired that day also on Superstars, February 7th. So and just in case you were wondering why during those promos they weren't mentioning the Hearts as the Tag Team Champions, now you know why. All right, and coming out of those promos, it is the Rougeau brothers defeating the WWF Tag Team Champion Hart Foundations in a non-title match. Remember, guys, in about 11 and a half minutes, Raymond pinning Brett the Hitman Hart following a double-team move by the Rougeau brothers. So they do hold a victory over the Tag Team Champion Hart Foundation. So we'll have to see if that plays out in a return match of sorts in the upcoming months here at the Boston Garden. Also on the card, King Kong Bunny defeating local favorite, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. Bundy defeating Doherty only on a disqualification. In just three minutes of time after Doherty hits Bundy with a steel chair. The crowd here, believe it or not, 50-50. Some in favor of Bundy, some in favor of the Duke of Dorchester, who is always a guilty pleasure in the Boston area. Now let's look at this for a second. Bundy losing to Coco Beware on the C-Shows by Countout. Bundy stuck in the six-man comedy match at WrestleMania. Bundy now scoring wins over Pete Doherty on a DQ. We've come a long way from Special Delivery Jones in WrestleMania 1, haven't we? And we've certainly come a long way from Hulk Hogan in the main event of WrestleMania 2. I'll teach you to lose weight, pal. Now we learn the main event of this show will feature IC champion Randy Savage putting his title on the line against Bruno Sammartino in a lumberjack match. Now what we haven't talked about yet is one of the lumberjacks in that match is going to be Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Think about that for a minute. Steamboat also on this card. He's slated to take on the Wild Samoan Sika. Let's listen to the steamer. And also February 7th, returning here to the Boston Garden after the injury he suffered on national television, it will be Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky going up against the man from the jungles of Samoa Sika. If you've already proved, certainly you are back in, back in, as good or if not better than ever, but still a lot of people very concerned over your voice. Well, I've had a lot of cards, a lot of get-well cards, a lot of letters. People in the area of Boston, I'd like to thank you very much for your concern. Uh, Kenny, you know, it, it, it played a lot of, of havoc on my mind on whether or not to come back. But heavy's has good fans around the country, and especially, especially in the Boston area. 
it, uh, it did put a lot of weight on the balance of making a decision. I've got to wrestle against Sika. And from what I understand, the last time that he was here, he put away Corporal Kirsten, a very, very good wrestler in this area. has proven himself on TV and proven himself in the Boston Gardens many times. As everybody knows, this particular evening, Bruno San Martino against Randy Savage. Lumberjack. Well, he's a lumberjack. And you know something, Savage? I'm one of the lumberjacks. If you happen to get thrown out of the ring over at my place, I'm not held responsible. All right, so Steamboat is focused on his match with Sika, but also focused on getting his hands on the Macho Man in that lumberjack match. We'll see if that comes into play. But before we get there, let's look at the action here involving the Dragon. He does pick up the win over Sika with a roll-up from behind in just four minutes of action. So Ricky Steamboat with a quick win here. Also on the card, Dino Bravo, Johnny V in his corner, scoring a win over Special Delivery Jones with the side suplex in about seven and a half minutes of action. And that all leads to the main event. It's time, guys, for Randy Savage and Bruno San Martino to get in the ring. But first, let's hear some more comments from both guys. But the main event, Boston, the return match, the Intercontinental title on the line. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, accompanied by Elizabeth to face wrestling's old living legend, Bruno San Martino. And this time, Bruno, it's a lumberjack match. The ring surrounded by wrestlers. This time, there'll be nowhere for the Macho Man to run. That's correct. And that's why I'm so amazed. I'm so amazed when he talks to you, Ken, and all those folks out there, how he talks about what he did and what he's going to do. Who are you kidding, Macho Man? You ran like a coward. You used Elizabeth as a shield to protect yourself. You did everything on the book to try to get out of trouble. Now here we are in a lumberjack match. No escape. If you go out, if this is the first time you've gone out of the ring, they're going to throw you right back in. Only this time, when I put that hug on you, there's going to be nobody to break it up. You know, last time you had three referees and four wrestlers came in, and finally they were able to pull my hands apart. This time, there's going to be none of that. This time, I'm, when I apply, I apply that hold on you, I'm going to keep squeezing until I've broken every rotten rib in your body. It sounds very much like the Macho Man Randy Savage this time has indeed awakened a sleeping giant in the form of the living legend Bruno San Martino. Saturday night, February 7th, the Lumberjack match. Boston, don't miss it. The Intercontinental title will be on the line the return match between the Macho Man Randy Savage and wrestling's living legend Bruno San Martino. But remember, it's a Lumberjack match. The ring surrounded by wrestlers Saturday, February 7th. This time, there will be no place for the Macho Man to run. What you said right now is gonna be a complete idiot. Yeah, and if there's any Bruno San Martino fans from way back long ago, I'm talking hundreds of years ago, prehistoric time, yeah. Well then, wheel them out in their chairs and put them down there close to the ring. Cause the fight isn't showed a superiority over the old man last time in the Boston Gardens. This time, there will be no question about it. San Martino, you couldn't swallow the fact that you were nowhere near the macho man in the Filipino. No way! And I understand they got a deaf mute outside the ring, yeah. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, he can't talk, no. And he's too dumb to listen to a warning. The warning goes out to the old man, Bruno San Martino. You're going to be done, too, in the garden. All right, and Bruno San Martino promising to break every rib. He's not going to stop with his bear hug finisher until he hears every single rib pop 
and the body of the Macho Man. Pretty violent stuff there from Bruno. And you wonder how he brought all those people into the garden year after year. Well, it's with promos like that. Meanwhile, the Macho Man says Ricky Steamboat's too stupid to understand his warning, but he is going to send a warning out to the living legend Bruno San Martino instead. Great stuff from both Bruno and Savage there, but we've got yet another promo. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, he does talk a little bit more about his match with Sika, but he's got another message for the Macho Man heading into this Lumberjack match. Macho, beware. Boston Garden, Saturday night, February 7th. The return match, Intercontinental title on the line. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, against wrestling's living legend, Bruno San Martino, in a Lumberjack match. The ring surrounded by wrestlers. If the Macho Man tries to leave this time, he'll be thrown right back in. And among those Lumberjacks outside the ring will be none other than Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat. And Ricky, I would imagine that in the Boston Garden, February 7th, the man from the jungles of Samoa Seek will not be the only wrestler on your mind. Well, that's true, Kenny. I'm going to be a lumberjack, and I'm going to be around that ring. The living legend, Bruno Sammartino, I will tell the fans out there, we've had our talks. We're putting it together. There's no doubt in my mind, Savage, why you sent Sika after me. This wild jungle animal running around. My vulnerable spot on my body is my throat, my neck. And you've made it perfectly clear to all your friendly little wrestlers. When you go after Steamboat, to go after his throat. Well, Sika, you're going to have your hands full. But Savage, better yet, the only way to keep me from being a lumberjack on that night is they drag me out by the stretcher again. But it's not going to happen. I'm going to be there at ringside. I'm going to be a lumberjack. I'm going to watch the living legend, the man that you've been calling a has-been, take you apart bit by bit. And if it so happens you happen to fall out of my way, Savage, don't hold me responsible. All right, Ricky Steamboat cutting yet another classic Steamboat line there. Did you hear him? He says, Macho Man, you can tell all your friendly little wrestlers to go after my throat. Friendly little wrestlers. The Dragon, coining yet another classic line. So it appears Randy Savage has to worry about Bruno Sammartino in the ring and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as well as some others outside of the ring. And because I can't get enough of them, here's yet another promo from the Macho Man. Boston Garden, Saturday night, February 7th. The Intercontinental title rematch. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, against wrestling's own living legend. Bruno San Martino, the match, a lumberjack match. The ring, surrounded by wrestlers. If either man tries to leave or is thrown out, he'll be tossed right back in. And I'm sure Macho Man Randy Savage, you listened very intently a bit earlier when one of the lumberjacks around the ring, none other than Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat, talked about being positioned there and talked about his conversations with one Bruno San Martino. You know, I was wondering what the old man was thinking, you know, getting into a lumberjack with the greatest athlete that the world has ever known and the macho man Randy Savage, Bruno San Martino, how about it? Couldn't swallow the fact, could you? That you're a has-been, that you're an old man, that you couldn't tie my shoes in your prime. So he puts the dragon in the outside. Wrestlers all around the ring. 
But I know that in one of those wrestlers in a particular case, the man with vindictive emotion, he wants to get his hands on the macho man Randy Savage, but he's not going to, man. It sounds like... I'm going to send the old man out the ring 22 times. Yes. In the Boston Gardens. In the Boston Gardens, which I made famous. When I took the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship belt oh, a long time ago, I'm going to take the living legend, Mr. Cheap Shot, and I'm going to teach him a lesson. It sounds like, perhaps from what Ricky the Dragon Steamboat had to say, perhaps wrestling's living legend may be planning to make sure you are thrown out in the direction of this dragon. Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. He's got to be thinking something! Because there's no way possible that any person could ever think that anyone could stand a chance against the Macho Man Randy Savage. And that's a fact, man. That's a fact. And in the Boston Gardens, I'm going to show everybody that, yeah, I want the whole world to concentrate on what the old man does, yeah. Because I'm going to take you, Bruno San Martino, and I'm going to devour you. I'm going to paint a picture that you will not believe. A picture's worth a thousand words. And the dragon on the outside of the ring, at the end of the match, I'm going to let him breathe some fire in. And then I'm going to burn the dragon. And I'm going to take you, old man, and make you swallow the fact that I'm the best that ever was. And I love localized promos like this. Everything sounds important. Every arena sounds important. Every match sounds important. And other than Bruno, they're, they're basically trying to sell Bruno. Hey, you, you can win the Intercontinental title here. Other than Bruno, I don't want that belt. That belt can go get vacant. I don't care. Other than that, I, <laughs> and that's just Bruno being Bruno. Bruno's going to do what Bruno's going to do. And he's going to say what he's going to say. Bruno wants nothing to do with the belt. He just wants to beat that piece of slime, Randy Savage. You piece of slime! And let's see what happens here in the main event. As Bruno San Martino does defeat Intercontinental Champion Randy Savage, albeit on a disqualification in the Lumberjack match when King Kong Bundy interferes and attacks Bruno. As San Martino had had Savage caught in his patented bear hug. After the bout, Bruno and Ricky Steamboat were the sole survivors of a brawl involving all of the Lumberjacks clearing the ring of everyone, including Randy Savage and King Kong Bundy. So Bruno picks up a win in a Lumberjack match. The idea is you can't get counted out because there's guys there to throw you back in the ring, but they still take a cheap way out here. I was wondering how Bruno was going to do the job. He clearly didn't. Bruno picks up the win, which I'm fine with, albeit on a DQ. I'd rather have seen a pinfall here. Just make it non-title. But fun way to end the show, San Martino and Steamboat clearing the ring of Savage and company. The Macho Man escapes with the belt, and we move from the East Coast over to the West Coast, February 7th, Los Angeles, California, at the Sports Arena, in front of a disappointing 7,000 fans, but DeMeltz does report this is the fourth live show in just two weeks here in the L.A. area. But on the card, some interesting matches. Demolition, defeating the team of Dan Spivey and Mike Rotunda, the Can-Am Connection, over Sheik and Volkoff. Roddy Piper battling Adrian Adonis to a double disqualification. Harley Race scoring a win over the Junkyard Dog. And WWF Champion Hulk Hogan pinning Kamala in a no-DQ match with a leg drop after throwing powder into Kamala's eyes. Now, we've seen that finisher before, but look at this card. They've taken a few headliners and put them all on this show. Now, Piper and Adonis, they were main eventing some of the B-shows, 
But here they are placed on the A show with Hogan and Kamala here because it is the West Coast, because Piper was a big draw here in L.A. once upon a time in the 70s. So we get Piper and Adonis on the same show as Hogan and Kamala, also Race and JYD, and still only 7,000 fans show up here for the sports arena. But I'm sure better days are coming there. We move on to February 8th, St. Paul, Minnesota, AWA country at the Civic Center. And they have no problem taking Vern Gagne on as the WWF draws 13,383 fans in St. Paul. With the Honky Tonk Man over Coco Beware, the Islanders, baby faces, over the other babyface team, Mike Rotunda and Danny Spivey, Jake Roberts battling Kamala to a double disqualification, as well as IC champion Randy Savage defeating Ricky the Dragon's Steamboat on a disqualification. But it doesn't end there. The Mighty Hercules defeating WWF champion Hulk Hogan on a countout, prompting a return chain match with Andre the Giant Hercules' corner next month. Hulk Hogan will have Billy Jack Haynes in his corner. So let's look at that for a minute, guys. And much like Los Angeles, you could argue that once again, Vince McMahon loading up the card here for St. Paul as we get Jake the Snake Roberts and Kamala, Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, and Hercules and Hulk Hogan all on the same card. But let's look at those finishes again. Jake and Kamala go to a double disqualification. Savage over Steamboat also in a disqualification. And then the main event, Hercules defeats the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. I love saying that sentence. Now, I'll be it by count out, but let's look at that. Double DQ, DQ, count out. Those are your three big matches, and those are the finishes you're getting here in St. Paul in front of over 13,000 fans, and this is what you give them. Now, I get the point here of some of these matches. You don't want Steamboat winning the belt here on the house show. You don't really want Savage killing Steamboat's heat either. Then, of course, in the main event, you're looking to bring it back. You're looking for a return match here between Hulk Hogan and Hercules build as a chain match. Now, the story with that being Andre the Giant's going to come back in Hercules' corner, and to combat that, Hogan's going to bring back Billy Jack Haynes to be in his corner here next month in St. Paul, but just very heavy on the non-finishes here in St. Paul, for my taste anyway. Also, February 8th in Selland Arena, Fresno, California. It was scheduled to be the Junkyard Dog and George Steele taking on the team of King Harley Race and Paul Orndorff. Likely not here. Remember, Paul Orndorff has been removed from the road. Also in Fresno, in front of those 5,000 fans, yet another bunkhouse battle royal slated for that card. We move on to February 9th, East Rutherford, New Jersey, in the Meadowlands. Just 6,000 fans to see the Honky Tonk Man scoring a win over Coco Beware. Spivey and Rotunda defeating the Islanders, also scheduled for the card, was to be Billy Jack Haynes taking on Hercules, with the official announced for that match being Dangerous Danny Davis. Also in the Meadowlands that night, Jake the Snake Roberts scheduled to take on Kamala. In a good one, let's hear from the Snake Man. All right, fans of the greater New York City area, the Meadowlands Arena, over in East Rutherford, Monday night, February the 9th, great World Wrestling Federation card. Jake the Snake Roberts, come on in. Jake, welcome back to New York City, the Big Apple, and your upcoming bout is with the Ugandan headhunter, Kamala. What's going on? Why not, huh? Why not try something a little bit different, you know? I've been going through the ranks, and I can ride on either side of the fence, you know? I'm a little bit different. Now, the Ugandan headhunter, he's definitely a different type of man. But you know something, everybody would like to be able to change the world, but you can't. But Kamala, I'm going to change your world. And you're not going to like the changes that you're going to go through, because they're going to be fast. Oh, yeah. Everybody's wondering, will the DDT work on a man your size? <laughs> well, if I was to tell you, it'd take the mystery out of it. And everybody knows that everybody loves a mystery, now, don't they? Uh, I believe they do, but I should point out, Jake, he brings an entourage with him that includes the wizard and Kim Chi. You're going to have to deal with more than one man. And they've got to deal with the man 
that they don't understand because you know whenever I step into the ring I'm a changed man myself when I look across at a man I know that he can feel the weight of my stares and looking in my eyes he knows there's fear in there but it's fear of his own it's a reflection that's what he's feeling if you plant grass you grow grass I plant fear and if that fear grows my man <laughs> they're all mine Eyes as cold as steel. Certainly, Jake the Snake Roberts has got his work cut out for him when he meets the Ugandan headhunter Kamala at the Meadowlands Arena, Monday night, February 9th. Don't you dare miss it. All right, Jake the Snake Roberts always talks a good game, but battling to a double count out here with Kamala is Jake. But that was not the main event. No, no, the main events of the Meadowlands, it's Intercontinental Champion Randy Savage slated to take on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And we'll go to comments from the Dragon. All right, wrestling fans in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, this coming Monday night, this Monday night, the Meadowlands Arena, tremendous World Wrestling Federation action. Billy Jack Haynes will be meeting Hercules special guest referee. I don't know if you'd call him a guest or not, but he's going to be the very controversial Danny Davis. He may be somebody's guest. I don't know who. Jake the Snake Roberts to meet the awesome Ugandan headhunter Kamala. What a match that should be. Coco Beware, the Birdman, Mr. Electricity, one-on-one against the Honky Talk Man. Pedro Morales going against the natural Butch Reed. Reed's manager, of course, is the Slickster. Slick, the doctor of style. Come on in if you would. Ricky Steamboat, you talk about action. In light of everything that happened the latter part of 1986 between you and Macho Man Randy Savage, here is the opportunity Monday night, the Meadowlands, and a shot at the Intercontinental Champ, and perhaps a shot at revenge for you. You know something, Gene? You know that song where it says, I can't get no satisfaction. satisfaction. Even though the last time that I was in the Meadowlands and it was a tag team situation, at the end of the evening on the way home, I kept saying to that myself, I just can't get any satisfaction. The only way that I'm going to get my satisfaction is to meet this man head-on, one-on-one. And he has been avoiding you like the plague. Oh, big time, big time. Savage, for eight weeks as I laid up, not being able to wrestle, you kept telling everybody that I was out for good. But I made a surprise on Saturday night's main event. I made a surprise the last time here at the Meadowlands. The biggest surprise ever is going to come February the 19th. I hope Elizabeth is not part of the melee that I can expect out of this one. If she's there, she's going to witness something very, very bad. February the Night Savage, just be there. That just happens to be this coming on Monday night at the Meadowlands Sports Arena. Don't miss it. All right, the dragon breathing fire looking for revenge against the Macho Man. But here in the main event, it was IC champion Randy Savage pinning with a rollover from the crossbody press from the top rope. Randy Savage rolling on top, scoring the pin on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So Steamboat can be pinned by the Macho Man, it would seem. We also get some observer notes here. As DeMelt says, the most recent Meadowland show with Savage versus Steamboat drew $79,000, which is about 6,000 fans, while Monday night's Madison Square Garden show, scheduled to see Piper, JYD, and Steamboat versus Adonis, Race, and Savage, had about 11,000 tickets sold two days in advance, so neither event will come close to selling out, although the Garden show should still be in the $200,000 range. So while a great match, Savage versus Steamboat in the main event here, even Steamboat's revenge in the Meadowlands does not sell it out. As we take yet another look on the West Coast for February 9th, San Diego, California, just over 5,000 fans come to see Jimmy Jack Funk defeat the youngster Mark Young. Young would be just shy of 20 years old here. 
In February 1987, the son of Chief J. Strongbow worked as Mark Young in the WWF as late as 89, 90, had a little run there in the old red, white, and blue trunks. Breakdancing Mark Young, also Vince Young for a cup of coffee, a very short cup of coffee in the NWA in 1989 as well. That may have had something to do with George Scott booking over there. Either way, the 19-year-old Mark Young doing the job to Jimmy Jack Funk, also Demolition scoring a win over the Killer Bees. Outlaw Ron Bass picks up a win over Nick Kaniski. King Harley Race teaming with Bob Orton, subbing for Mr. Wonderful. Boy, what a letdown that is. No disrespect to Orton, but he's just not Mr. Wonderful level here in 1987. It's the King and Bob Orton defeating the team of the Junkyard Dog and George Steele on a disqualification. So we likely got Orton and Race on that other card as well, where Orndorff was going to be subbed out. And Bret Hart, of all people, winning the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, which included his own partner, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, as well as the Can-Ams, Demolition, Junkyard Dog, and more. Bret Hart picking up a Bunkhouse Battle Royal win there in San Diego. The WWF head north from California up in Portland for February 10th. The Memorial Coliseum, it's the Can-Am Connection battling Demolition to a draw. Bret Hart won the Battle Royal the night before, so now it's the Anvil's turn. Jim Neidhart wins a Bunkhouse Battle Royal here in Portland. Amongst those involved, of course, his own partner, Bret the Hitman Hart. The Anvil now picking up a win. The Hart Foundation, $100,000 richer between the two of them after two nights of Battle Royal action. Also, Corporal Kirshner getting a win over Nikolai Volkov. Bret Hart with a victory over B. Brian Blair. And in the main event, it was King Harley Race and Bob Orton once again defeating the team of JYD and George the Animal Steel. Also, February 10th, Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio Center. In front of 4,500 fans, it's the Islanders going to a double DQ with the U.S. Express of Rotunda and Spivey. Jake the Snake Roberts again battling Kamala to a double countout. Hercules pinning Billy Jack Haynes. And it is reported, believe it or not, that Danny Davis was the referee for the match. So maybe they're doing the filling out the contractual obligations deal here. Though I don't know, once you're fired, you're fired, especially as an official. But reportedly, Danny Davis still an official here, at least for this Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes match in Columbus. And in the main event, again, IC champion Randy Savage pinning Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. But that's okay, Steamer will get that win when it really counts. WWF also still hanging out on the West Coast, Oakland, California, February 11th in front of 6,000 fans. Harley Race over the Junkyard Dog, the Iron Sheik pinning Dick Slater, Nikolai Volkov scoring a win over Nick Kaniski, Bob Orton Jr. defeating George the Animal Steel on a DQ, Orton subbing for the injured Paul Orndorff. It's also reported that Orton scores the win over Steele in less than five seconds. So it appears almost immediately Steele must whack Orton with some type of, of foreign object for Orton to score the victory here. Adorable Adrian Adonis getting a win over Rowdy Roddy Piper on a DQ. Demolition defeating the Killer Bees and the Can-Am Connection. Zink and Martell defeating Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. The Hart Foundation, the WWF Tag Team Champion Hart Foundation. The Can-Ams pinning the Hearts in a non-title match. February 11th in Dayton, Ohio at the Hera Arena. Hey, I've been there before. Seen a couple of ECW pay-per-views in the old Hera Arena. WWF in Dayton. Originally scheduled was Jake the Snake Roberts to take on Haku of the Islanders. That would have been interesting. Danny Davis also announced as referee for that match. Also on the card, it was, it was reported to see the main event of Randy Savage teaming with Hercules to take on the tandem of Ricky Steamboat and Billy Jack Haynes. That could have been interesting there. No results, unfortunately, for the matchup. Savage and Hercules versus Steamboat and Haynes. We just keep rolling on, this time February 12th in the infamous Kemper Arena, Kansas City, Missouri. 12,000 fans strong. 
It was Mike Rotunda and Dan Spivey battling the Islanders to a double disqualification. These are battle of babyface tag teams. You have to wonder if one of these teams were already being positioned to turn heel, if they were trying it out, how these things played out. But a double DQ as things clearly broke down between the two babyface tag teams. I should also note, this is Rotunda's last night with the company. Mike Rotunda would quit the WWF yet again here following his matchup in Kansas City. Also on the card in Kansas City, Jake the Snake Roberts pinning Pedro Morales, Hercules over Billy Jack Haynes, Ricky Steamboat battling Randy Savage to a double countout, and Hulk Hogan retaining the WWF title after pinning Kamala. Also on February 13th, Tacoma, Washington, the Tacoma Dome. In front of 10,444 fans, it was Harley Race pinning the Junkyard Dog after reversing the inside cradle. That couldn't have been pretty. Would have loved to have seen that finish. Jake Roberts over George the Animal Steel on a DQ. Adrian Adonis over Roddy Piper, also on a DQ. In eight-man tag team action, it was the Killer Bees and the Can-Am Connection, defeating the team of the Hart Foundation and Demolition. Wow, what a team. Finish saw Rick Martell pinning Bret Hart after all four babyfaces put on the bee masks to switch places in the ring. Rick Martell pinning Bret the Hitman Hart for the babyface team to send the fans home happy. Also February 13th, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Civic Arena. 11,500 fans to see Coco Beware defeat the returning Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff on a DQ. Hercules defeating Billy Jack Haynes yet again. Danny Davis, the referee for the match. IC champion Randy Savage pinning Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. As Meltzer notes, it may be a while before the WWF returns to Pittsburgh. Rumor has it it may not be until early May. Remember, this is February. Because Titan was upset that the DeBartolos the owners of the Civic Arena also rented the place out to Jim Crockett, which will also draw a huge crowd as well, says DeMelt, and Titan threatened to pull out of Pittsburgh should the DeBartolos continue to rent out to rival organization JCP. Interesting, Vince McMahon. As the WWF heads up north, way up north, to the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, February 14th. What a card. Les Thornton on the undercard. Battles to a draw with Johnny Smith, Outlaw Ron Bass over Lanny Poffo, Jimmy Jack Funk defeating Mark Young, the Iron Sheik scoring a DQ victory over Dick Slater, Jake the Snake Roberts defeating Ted Arcini. There's a name from the past. You might be asking, why haven't we heard his name yet here? In 1987, well, Arcini's already gone from the WWF, actually competing here in 1987 for Stampede Wrestling. So Jake scoring the win over Arcini. Also, Nikolai Volkov over Corporal Kirshner. The Honky Tonk Man defeats JYD. Roddy Piper scoring a victory over adorable Adrian Adonis. And in the main event, you got to have the hearts in there somewhere, right? It's the Can-Am Connection and the Killer Bees defeating the team of Demolition and the Heart Foundation. So the hearts doing the job in Calgary. There's actually a fun promo for this match online. And, and maybe, maybe we might queue up the audio here if we do. It's actually on YouTube. I'll play it here for you guys here in a second as well, but it was actually intriguing because it has the original smash when it was recorded, the promo for this Saddle Dome event. It has Randy Collier's smash in said promo with the hearts and demolition. Now, it's better to be seen than heard to really get the visual of the whole thing, but I'll play it here for you guys anyway. Let's take a listen to the Heart Foundation, Axe, and the original smash talking about this match. Now we got a couple of guys here that are with us, the demolitions. Come on, guys. These guys, plus the Heart Foundation, are going to run amok at the Saddle Dome, and we're going to wipe out the killer bees 
and the silly old supposedly Can-Am connection when actually, in fact, me and the Anvil are the real Can-Am connection. Ooh, you know, tonight in Calgary, ooh, it's kind of chilly out there. It's kind of cold. <laughs> I wonder it'll be just as cold in the ring after the match. <laughs> it's not going to be cold at all. We only have a few more hours to wait. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we don't want any excuses, boys. We don't want anybody stepping in there at the last moment and saying, wait a minute, I made a mistake. I don't want in this brawl. Because it's too late. <laughs> right here tonight in Calgary, history is going to be made. We're making our first appearance. We're also going to send our first opponents to the local hospital. <laughs> what? You should have shot that thing in my face. Get that out of my face. <laughs> What do you say, guys? Let's take the mask off those killer bees and just stick them on the oil cans to really humiliate them. <laughs> you know, you're going to have four stretchers out there. Killer bees on two stretchers. And then I'm going to the them. Don't you dare, Tonight, baby. Tonight, tonight. All right, and they talked a big game there, including Randy Colley. But when the time came, it was the Can-Ams and the Bees defeating Demolition the Heart Foundation here in Calgary. We roll on to another big show, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Spectrum for February 14th, a matinee show. Reportedly 19,416 fans in attendance, just 150 fans shy of capacity, televised on the PRISM Network, featuring Gorilla Monsoon and Dick Graham on commentary. And you know, I just got done watching this show not too long ago, so it's fresh on my mind. Let's talk about it, shall we? In the opener of the night, it was Paul Roma battling Steve Lombardi to a time limit draw. Match went about 19 minutes with a 20-minute time limit draw. Following the match, Roma wanted five more minutes in the ring with Lombardi, but instead, the future Brooklyn brawler attacking Roma from behind and laying him out to get his point across. I thought this was kind of fun here because remember we saw that segment on a Superstars going back to January with Lombardi attacking Roma, pitching him from the ring. We even got promos from both guys backstage. Of course, that was the lead into the Australian tour, which didn't happen, but at least we get it here at the Spectrum. Though neither man coming out the winner, we go on. Dino Bravo, still brunette here in the middle of February, pinning Pedro Morales in about nine minutes with his side suplex hold. However, Morales did actually get his foot on the bottom rope. The referee missed it, and Dino Bravo scoring the win there. Also, Billy Jack Haynes battled Hercules to a double countout in about eight minutes when both men began brawling on the floor. Now, prior to the bout, Danny Davis came out and told referee Joey Morella that he was assigned referee for this match. But Commissioner J.J. Benz finally gets involved in the business, huh? J.J. Benz comes out to the ring and orders Davis to leave ringside, reminding him that he is terminated as a referee here in Pennsylvania and all of the World Wrestling Federation. Danny Davis tries to sneak his way in here to the Hercules and Haynes match, but it's a no-go here thanks to J.J. Benz. Oh, and here's a sneaky fun one, guys. If you get a chance to watch this Spectrum, I really encourage you not to skip this next match. It's the Islanders, the Babyface Islanders, taking on the Babyface Rougeau brothers. Match went about eight minutes. Tama eventually pinning Jacques Rougeau with a quick schoolboy from behind and a really fast count from the referee. Not really sure what was going on there. But the reason this match is so intriguing, we have two Babyface teams and it starts getting a little hot near the end of the match. And I really enjoyed it. And the crowd really got into it. As we see one of the Rougeos slap on a sleeper hold on Tama. Haku comes in and breaks the hold right up. Turnabout, fair play. One of the Islanders going for an inside cradle to pin Raymond. And it's Jacques Rougeau who comes in and breaks the count up. 
Goes on from there, Jacques Rougeau applying a abdominal stretch. And again, Haku in breaking up the hold, causing Raymond to come back inside. And, well, things got a little hot from there. Both teams begin shoving one another, and that's when Tama sneaks in that schoolboy to steal the win. Now, after the match, both teams begin trading words, shoving one another, leading to another fist fight. But the Rougeau's clearing the ring, drop-kicking both Islanders out to the floor. But really, really good stuff here is uh, both teams playing a little bit heel there near the end. And it's kind of funny how they both turn heel. Of course, the Islanders will turn heel later here in 87. The Rougeau's not until 1988. But I really liked the dynamic here. Both teams got so hot. They both wanted that win so bad that they would do anything for it. These are two teams that aren't necessarily in the big picture right now. And they go out there and they tell this fun little story. And the crowd came alive for it. It really popped for two babyface teams letting it all hang out. But to be clear, it was the Islanders going over on the Rougeos. Again, Tama with that sneaky roll-up during the fight, during the argument at the end of the match with the referee with a rapid-fire three-count. Not really sure what that deal was. We move on, though. More action. Sika, the Samoan, pinning special delivery Jones with what else but the Samoan drop. Also, Honky Tonk Man scoring a win over Coco Beware with the shake, rattle, and roll. Brand Rankins pinning Moondog spot in just over four minutes with a rolling cradle. WWF Intercontinental Champion, the Macho Man Randy Savage, defeating Ricky Steamboat in about eight minutes. Steamboat applying the O'Connor roll, Savage grabbing the trunks, reversing said O'Connor roll, and stealing the win from the Dragon here in Philadelphia. And in the big match of the night, it was WWF Champion Hulk Hogan defeating Kamala, who had the Wizard and Kim Chi in his corner. Hogan defeating Kamala on a disqualification. In six and a half minutes of action, when Kim Chi interfered and attacked the champion after he hit the big leg drop on Kamala. Moments later, Kim Chi dropped Hogan with a big pile driver before unmasking himself to be Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Sneak attack dressed as Kim Chi here. I love it. Attacking the Hulkster, laying him out with a pile driver. Kamala then, after the match, hitting the big splash on the champ. Eventually, it was the Islanders and Billy Jack Haynes running to the ring to make the save. Hulk Hogan picking up the win there on a DQ only. Great stuff there by Mr. Wonderful and company. And it's announced that next month here at the Spectrum, it's going to be Hulk Hogan with his newfound partner, Rowdy Roddy Piper, taking on the team of, you guessed it, Kamala and Mr. Wonderful. Wow, Hulk and Piper battling Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf and Kamala next month here at the Spectrum. But let's look at this just for a minute. The Philadelphia Spectrum draws in over 19,400 fans for this big show here. And why not? You got Savage and Steamboat, Hogan and Kamala. It's essentially your A and B show main events on the same card here. Meanwhile, Jim Crockett Promotions running a week later here in Philly. Ballsy of them. On February 21st at the Civic Center. So after the WWF goes into the spectrum and draws 19,000, Jim Crockett comes in and draws over 7,000 themselves for a lineup that features the likes of Dusty Rhodes and Nikita Koloff over Ivan Koloff and Vladimir Pietrov. The NWA World Tag Team Champions at the time, Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez over the Rock and Roll Express, and in the main event, it was Ric Flair over Barry Windham in a 20-minute match. Not a bad card there by Crockett. Not a bad time to be a fan in the Philadelphia area, that's for sure. We move on to Baltimore, Maryland in the Baltimore Arena, February 14th in front of 10,000 fans. It is the WWF debut of Ho! Hacksaw Jim Duggan making his WWF debut over Sika, the Wild Samoan. Also on the card, Coco Beware picking up a win over Mr. Wonderful by disqualification. IC champion Randy Savage and tag team partner for the night, Hercules, defeating the team of Ricky Steamboat and Billy Jack Haynes. And in the main event, Hulk Hogan defeating Kamala inside a steel cage. 
Man, another fun night here to be a WWF fan. Jim Duggan makes his debut. Paul Orndorff and Coco Beware. That had to be a fun one for Coco somehow slinks away with a DQ win. Savage teaming with Hercules to take on Steamboat and Haynes, and then Hogan and Kamala inside a cage to close out the night. But we skip ahead yet another day. February 15th, Toronto, Ontario, Canada at the Maple Leaf Gardens in front of 17,000 fans. And here's a fun note. February 15th, the WWF in Toronto going head-to-head with the NWA's debut in Hamilton, Ontario. Just a stone's throw away. So the WWF running Toronto while the NWA, Jim Crockett, running in Hamilton the same exact night. Now, Vince ran the gardens pretty steadily here. So you have to wonder, was this really Vince screwing with Crockett or did Crockett just make a bad decision on when they were coming to work up here in Hamilton? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in these Maple Leaf Garden results. But first, let's look at things here featuring Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan on commentary with Billy Red Lion subbing it for Heenan when he's managing some of his men later tonight. Here's how the show shook out. It was Outlaw Ron Bass over Special Delivery Jones. Sika pitting Moondog Spot. Corporal Kirshner getting a win over Johnny K-9, the future Bruiser Bedlam. K-9 subbing for the natural Butch Reed. Kirchner picking up a win here in about 11 minutes. Prior to the match, Slick comes out again and announces that Butch Reed would not be able to compete because he was suffering from the flu. Slickster then chased away from ringside by Kirchner, who got that win over Johnny K-9. Here we go. It was the big match, or one of the big matches of the night. Rowdy Roddy Piper over Adrian Adonis on a disqualification in about 10 minutes after Adonis was caught spraying perfume into the eyes of the hot rod. After the bout, a blinded Piper then attacked the ring announcer and the referee. Here's what DeMeltz had to say about this matchup. He said, in freezing weather, that's four below zero Fahrenheit, guys. Roddy Piper's final match in Toronto drew 17,000 fans to the Maple Leaf Garden, while the NWA at the nearby Cops Coliseum in Hamilton drew a mere 3,206 fans paid. So when you look at that weather, four below zero, wow. 17,000 still coming out to see the Hot Rods farewell match in Toronto, Canada. Meanwhile, over in Hamilton, Crockett, not really sure what was on the card, drawing a mere 3,000 fans to the Cops Coliseum. Also on the Maple Leaf Garden show, it's Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff over Pedro Morales with his feet on the ropes. Also, the King Harley Race pinning the Junkyard Dog in about six minutes with the belly-to-belly suplex after JYD began attacking Bobby the Brain Heenan. That finish sounds familiar. I think we're going to see that again. Also, IC champion Randy Savage defeating Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, again reversing the O'Connor role, using the tights for leverage and stealing the win over the Dragon. And in the final match of the card, it was the Killer Bees, jumping Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair over the tag team champion Hart Foundation in yet another non-title matchup when Brian Blair, the illegal man, pinned Bret Hart with a sunset flip off the top rope after the Bees used their masks to pull the old switcheroo in the ring. So the Hearts losing to the Bees, the Rujos, and the Can-Ams thus far in non-title matches. But I think their luck is about to change, but we roll on. It's actually a WWF Superstars taping. New Haven, Connecticut at the Coliseum, February 16th in front of 9,000 fans. We're going to talk a few exclusive matches. First, exclusive to prime time, it was the likes of Outlaw Ron Bass over the new Italian stallion, Salvatore Belomo. Bass scoring the win in about three and a half minutes there. Also airing on primetime in April, we saw a match featuring the Islanders over the team of Moondog Spot and the Gladiator. Tama coming off the top with that big splash on the Gladiator there, getting the win. And on an international version of Wrestling Challenge, we see a match Blackjack Mulligan 
pinning Joe Murto with the flying back elbow in just 2 minutes and 20 seconds. And just a few observer notes here for this Superstars taping in New Haven. DeMelt says that the dream team of Valentine and Beefcake are seemingly being built up for a feud with Demolition. Now, in theory, that makes sense. Johnny V can't really manage two teams, can he? And he won't for very long. So I see where Meltzer's going with this, but I haven't seen any inclination of that on TV. Also, it's noted that Dynamite Kid was at the tapings and he was walking, although walking very slowly and deliberate, but obviously didn't wrestle. Dynamite only appeared on a Piper's Pit segment with Tito and Davey Boy talking their six-man challenge to the Hearts and Danny Davis at WrestleMania 3. Lastly, Captain Lou Albano was also at the tapings, but he was chased away from ringside by Andre the Giant. Demelt's quips? I doubt chase is the right verb to use. Get it, Albano, Andre, nobody's running. Oh, that Meltzer. We roll on, though, guys. February 17th, Springfield, Massachusetts at the Civic Center. It's a sellout and a wrestling challenge taping in front of 9,000 fans. More exclusives here. Primetime exclusive February 23rd. We will see the Islanders over Joe Murto and Al Navarro. During this match, guys, a fan attempts to enter the ring, but was pulled away by security after climbing up onto the apron. Fun stuff there. Also, a spotlight exclusive February 28th. It was Blackjack Mulligan over Tiger Chung Lee. And for an international wrestling challenge exclusive, Jake the Snake Roberts pinning WWF Intercontinental Champion Macho Man Randy Savage with the DDT in about six and a half minutes of a non-title match. You heard that right. Jake the Snake Roberts pinning IC Champion Randy Savage in a non-title matchup. After the match, Honky Tonk Man did a run-in as well, and it's reported this was taped early on the card so that when Jake and Honky did the Snake Pit segment we'll be discussing next week, later on the card that Jake would be cheered heavily Going into that segment, I don't think they're going to have a problem with that either way. So Jake hadn't actually turned here yet at this part of the taping, but they still give him a win over Randy Savage and, of course, a run-in with the Hockey Tonk Man. And also on this taping, Meltzer reports that Tom McGee won a match as well, but it won't air yet again. Dave's guess is they've got big things planned for old Tom McGee, but he just doesn't know what to do in the ring yet. So Titans' plans are for now to hide Tom McGee, hide him until he's ready, then he'll show up, quote-unquote, out of nowhere and get the big push. Tom McGee's still in line to be the successor to the throne of WWF champion Hulk Hogan. We move on to February 18th, West Palm Beach, Florida, in front of only 4,000 fans at the Auditorium. We see WWF Women's Champion the Fabulous Moolah over Penny Mitchell. And a fun main event originally scheduled to see Ricky Steamboat teaming with George the Animal Steel to take on the team of the Honky Tonk Man and IC Champion Randy Savage. Well... George steals out for a few dates here with a minor injury. So subbing in this match, it's going to be Ricky Steamboat actually teaming with Davey Boy Smith of the British Bulldogs going up against the Macho Man and the Honky Tonk Man. But as we head into that match, before we talk about the results, let's listen to the man that's just as intense outside the ring as he is in it. I'm talking about the Macho Man. And his tag team partner, my guest at this time, Intercontinental Champion of the World. He hails from Florida's West Coast, Sarasota, Florida. Macho Man Randy Savage, what in the world is this, Randy? A picture is worth a thousand words. Unbelievable, yeah, I am. Life itself, yeah. And with Palm Beach, yeah, it will come, I know that, yeah. Hyper as I am, I know the days will tick away, yeah. As the 
years sometimes do mean, Gene Okerlund. Well, right now, the sands of time are sifting through the hourglass, and we're only a few days on this Valentine's weekend, only a few days away from the big tag team bout. You know, both of those men opposing you and the honky-tonk men have little or no love for you, either Steamboat or Steel. Oh, I wouldn't love me either when they're degraded as so much as I am going to do to them. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? For them to think that they could be in the same ring with me is... Wow, you know that. Unbelievable. Is, uh, don't put words in my mouth, man. I can handle myself out here, yeah, but I won't. No, is that a no, shoot? no, no. That's a shoot, brother. That is 1,000%, yeah. Because the time has come that the honky-tonk man, yeah, singing in the shower right now. Same training theory, yes. Don't be cruel. The tag match will happen. It will happen, yeah. And there will be bodies left in the ring. Two bodies, yeah. Towards the animal steel and the dragon. All right. That's the way it's gonna be! Thank you very much, Randy Savage. Mm, yeah, Randy Savage gonna team with the Honky Tonk Man to take on, well, it was supposed to be Steamboat and George Steele, but it winds up being Steamboat and Davy Boy Smith, and the results do see... The Dragon and the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, scoring a win over the Macho Man and the Honky Tonk Man here in West Palm Beach. Cool stuff there as we move on. Also, February 18th in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Billy Jack Haynes and Hercules battle to a draw, and King Kong Bundy wins himself a 20-man bunkhouse battle royal. God, everybody in the WWF getting a win here in these bunkhouse battle royals. Everybody getting the trophy. Everybody picking up $50,000. And it's over to Crockett Country. Wow, can't believe they ran there. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I don't have the gate here. I wish I did. February 19th, it was the Hart Foundation Tag Team Champions defeating the team of the Killer Bees and Hulk Hogan scoring a victory over Kamala in the main event. We move on to Miami, Florida, and the Knight Center. Also February 19th, and just over 4,000 fans paid. It's Iron Mike Sharp over Joe Mirto, subbing for Scott McGee. Also Women's Champion Mula over Penny Mitchell. Butch Reed's back in action. With a win over Pedro Morales, the Islanders defeating the team of Dan Spivey and Special Delivery Jones, now subbing for Mike Rotunda, who has once again left the company. Also on the card, Coco Beware over the Honky Tonk Man on the DQ. Davy Boy Smith subbing for the injured George Steele, defeating Jake the Snake Roberts. How about that for a match, guys? Davy Boy Smith versus Jake the Snake Roberts. No doubt the Snake Man working heel here tonight. And in the main event, IC champion Randy Savage over Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Another fun card, Miami. Gets Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage. They also get Davy Boy and Jake the Snake. And no way am I complaining that George Steele is out with an injury here. Davy Boy subbing for George Steele, and we get a hell of a better match, you'd have to think. February 20th, Omaha, Nebraska, Civic Auditorium. Blackjack Mulligan defeating the Iron Sheik in under a minute. I believe it. And as a favor to Sheiky Baby, Iron Sheik now gets a win in a bunkhouse battle royal on this card. And Roddy Piper defeating Adrian Adonis on a disqualification here in Omaha. Also on the 20th of February, WWF invaded Chicago, Illinois in the Rosemont Horizon. Opening match sees Paul Roma defeat the Assassin. No, not Jody Hamilton. This is the gimmick short term that they give Randy Colley after he's yanked from playing Smash of Demolition. In the short term, he's going to go out here on the house shows and work as the Assassin. Very creative, I know. Doing jobs, I should mention, all the way. So he goes from being the next big team in line, Demolition, Axe, and Smash, Randy Colley playing Smash. He's pulled from playing Smash, and in the short term, he's relegated to being the Assassin before eventually becoming one half of the Shadows, who really aren't all that much better than this Assassin gimmick here. 
Either way, it's Paul Roma over Randy Colley. He was just smashed a few short weeks ago. Now he's doing jobs to Paul Roma in the opening match on the show. But hey, he got to keep a job. I guess you can look at it that way. Also on the card, Honky Tonk Man over Scott McGee. Butch Reed pinning Pedro Morales. Jake the Snake Roberts battling King Kong Bundy to a double countout. The Rujo Brothers over the team of Dino Bravo and Johnny V. Hercules pinning Billy Jack Haynes. King Harley Race also defeating the Junkyard Dog. Good night for Bobby the Brain Heenan's guys here. Also, the Killer Bees defeating the tag team champion Heart Foundation in a non-title match. Plus, once again, it is Randy Savage stealing a win over Ricky Steamboat in the main event. And here we go, guys. The WWF in Detroit, Michigan, February 21st. They're in Detroit just a month before WrestleMania. They're in the Joe Louis Arena in front of 21,000. A sellout crowd here in Detroit. It is the Saturday night's main event taping. Originally to air on March 7th, Saturday Night's Main Event will actually air on March 14th due to a Easter Seals preemption. Some of the matches you get to look forward to as part of Saturday Night's Main Event, a 20-man battle royal featuring both Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Yes, they're going to be in the same ring at the same time, March 14th, Saturday Night's Main Event. And believe it or not, guys, neither man wins the battle royal. Also, as part of Saturday Night's Main Event, it's going to be IC champion Randy Savage defending against George the Animal Steel with Miss Elizabeth on the line. Winner gets Elizabeth. Pretty sure that wasn't even legal in 1987, but it is what it is. Also originally promoted for Saturday Night's Main Event was a match between Demolition and the Islanders. Instead, we'll actually see them, or at least Demolition, in the Battle Royal. So it winds up being a dark match here. Demolition scoring a win over the Islanders. As we head into February 22nd, Battle Creek, Michigan. Home of Rob Van Dam there at the Kellogg Center. As we see Jake the Snake Roberts battle King Kong Bunny to a double countout. Demolition picking up a win over the Islanders. Billy Jack Haynes defeating Hercules on a DQ after Hercules nails the referee. Also, once again, Killer Bees over Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation. No, wait, Jim Neidhart is out, guys. Listen to this. The Killer Bees defeat the team of Brett the Hitman Hart and Dangerous Danny Davis. And in order to protect Davis for WrestleMania 3, it's actually Bret Hart, the Hitman, who takes the pin here. Killer B scoring the win over Bret Hart and Danny Davis. Cool stuff. WWF in Pittsfield, Massachusetts at the Boys Club in front of 1,200 fans. February 23rd, Hercules Hernandez winning a 12-man battle royal last eliminating Dan Spivey. Other participants in the 12-man, we had Hercules, Spivey, Beefcake, Dave Barbie, the Red Demon, Billy Jack Haynes, Tom McGee, Brand Rangans, Frenchie Martin, Special Delivery Jones, and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Well, looks like they missed a name there. Had to be Jerry Allen for the 12th man. As those are all the 12 guys that are actually on this card. Also on the show, Tom McGee over the Red Demon, Brand Rangans over Dave Barbie, SD Jones scoring a win over Frenchie Martin. It's the Dream Team defeating the team of Dan Spivey and Jerry Allen. And in the main event, Billy Jack Haynes scoring a DQ victory over Hercules. Fun little show for the boys club. As we move on to the big times, guys, New York City, New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It is Madison Square Garden, February 23rd, drawing 18,317 fans, televised on the MSG Network, featuring Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. We kick off the show, Paul Roma pinning Salvatore Belomo in 12 and a half minutes with a power slam. Of course, Belomo rocking that comedy heel gimmick, the Italian Stallion here claiming the Rocky movie was based on him. Like I said, a beta version of Santino Morella. Salvatore Beloma all the way back in 1987. Who knew? 
Also on the show, The Demolition, defeating the team of Haku and Tama, the Islanders. All right, fans, Madison Square Garden, Monday night, February the 23rd, six-man elimination match. You know the players in that one. Johnny P, come on in. Yeah. I understand you have got a red-hot tag team oh. called the Demolition. Oh. Axe and Smash, tell me all about it. Oh. Let me tell you something, Gene Oakland. Johnny B is bringing to the Big Apple a team like no team I've ever brought before. And let me tell you something. Without further ado, bring them on in right here. The demolition is what they are, baby. The demolition. You're talking about my man right here, Mr. Smash, and then my main man right over there, that's Mr. Axe. They are together, comprised one team of the demolition. Ah, All right, gentlemen. The reason why we're coming to Madison Square Garden is to win. And when we walk that aisle, people look at us and they get a little bit scared. But when we get in the ring, they run because we're there for one reason. And that's a demolished people, isn't that right? We're going to take one team at a time and eliminate them until we get our opportunity for the championship belts. This obstacle right now is the Islanders. Madison Square Garden. The Islanders are going to be our first victim. We're going to step on everybody anywhere we want to because we demolish people. We listen to Johnny B. He tells us who to do it to, where, and when. <laughs> All right, I it's thank Casey you. Allender. Johnny B yeah. and a demolition team. Smash an axe in the garden on the 23rd. Thank you, gentlemen. I swear to this. This would be Barry Darso's Madison Square Garden debut. Now, remember, Bill Eadie's worked here before as the Masked Superstar and things, but Barry Darso's first time in Madison Square Garden had to be a good time there for Demolition Smash. Demolition scoring the win over the Islanders. Also, Coco Beware pinning Sika, the Wild Samoan. Coco playing it sneaky, crawling under the ring, coming out from behind Sika, dropkicking him into the ropes. Schoolboy picks up the win over Sika, the Wild Samoan. Fun match there. Quick and fun finish anyway. Also, Tito Santana battling the natural Butch Reed to a double disqualification in about 12 minutes as Slick attempted to interfere in the ring with his cane. It was Coco Beware who came ringside knocking Slick out of the ring. After the bout, Tito Santana, Coco Beware clearing the ring of the natural Butch Reed. So a little bit of a story there heading into WrestleMania 3. But there's still tons more action here in the Garden. In fact, Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation scheduled to take on the Killer Bees here. And yes, this time, the titles are on the line. There's been a mistake. <laughs> this is the year of the foundation. And at the foundation, we have a new motto. Yes. And that motto is, you can go the easy way, or you can go the hard way. <laughs> and the British Bulldogs chose the easy way out. Gentlemen, I vividly remember Saturday night's main event and your last meeting with the Killer Bees, Bret Hart. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter to us, Gene, because you know why? We are the champions. We are the world best. We are the best in the entire world right now. And in our opinion, the Killer Bees really don't even deserve a title match, but they got one. Big deal. The Bees are in for the beating of their life, Gene, because we work too hard. Jimmy Hart trained us too hard. He did everything. He's a genius, and he got us these belts. Speaking of Jimmy we're Hart. Gonna, none of your business. It's none of your business. Don't even ask. I, I won't. It's none of your business. Bees. Look out, you better be ready. Let's go back in time. Listen to a Killer Bees promo heading into this matchup. This aired slightly before the Hearts won the tag team titles. Let's go back and listen to the Killer Bees. 
All right, Madison Square Garden, Monday night, February the 23rd. A lot of tag team action, six-man elimination match. The Islanders versus the demolition team. And my guest at this time, Jim Brunzel, B. Brian Blair, the Killer Bees, going against the Hart Foundation. And Brian, they've got to be considered one of the top contending tag teams right now in the world. Well, that's right, Mean Gene. You know, Jumpin' Jim and I, we've been traveling from coast to coast. But now we're coming to the city where wrestling means the most. You know... Jimmy and I ate so much honey today that I am so excited. I got so much energy. Mean Gene, my toes started tapping and my wings started flapping because I knew we were getting ready for some back, for some jaw jacking and for some back cracking. And you know, when you talk about Madison Square Garden, Gene, we're talking about the largest hive in the world because when all the little killer bees out there start buzzing, Jimmy and I get so excited. Oh God, I just don't know what to do till we get there. All right, Jimmy Bronzell, the Killer Bees right now are on a roll, so well, to speak. Well, we'd like to think so, Gene. You know, we busted out of that hive in 1985, and we've been patient, we've been positive. We set our goal for one thing, and that's to be the world's tag team champions. And right now, the hearts are standing in our way. Everybody remembers the fact that we did beat them on, right on national TV on NBC, Saturday night main event, and we're going to do everything in our power to do it again in Madison Square Garden. All right, gentlemen, it's going to be a big one for you. The Hart Foundation versus the Killer Bees. Part of the action at Madison Square Garden, Monday night, February the 23rd. Get your tickets in advance. Well, I'd like to say it was a pleasure listening to the Bees promo, but we all know that's simply not true. Nevertheless, we head to the ring. WWF Tag Team Champions, the Hart Foundation, defeating the team of the Killer Bees in just about 14 minutes. When Bret Hart counters a body slam by Brunzel into a small package, after Danny Davis, who remained ringside for this matchup with the Hearts, attacked Brunzel from behind, DeMeltz notes that the Bees, at least for this match, are now wearing yellow tennis shoes. Interesting. We'll see how long that lasts. Also on the card, making his MSG debut, Outback Jack, picking up a win over Barrio in quick fashion, probably for the best. No worries, mate. I'm Outback Jack. Also, Jake the Snake Roberts scoring a win over King Kong Bundy on a countout in just over nine minutes. The two men brawling around ringside, Bundy shoving Jake back in the ring, allowing Jake to beat the count. Post-match, Bundy going after the Snake Man, but it's Jake pulling Damien out of the bag, chasing both Bundy and manager Bobby Heenan away from ringside. Also on the card, the Honky Tonk Man pinning Pedro Morales with his feet on the ropes. Match went about 12 minutes, which is about double the time they really needed here. As we head into the main event, it's, it's a six-man tag team match elimination style, the precursor to the Survivor Series, many would say. Six-man tag team action, and listen to the names involved. It's the team of Rowdy Roddy Piper teaming with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the Junkyard Dog, my God, taking on the team of Macho Man Randy Savage, the adorable Adrian Adonis, and the King Harley Race. We've got promos from everyone involved. Madison Square Garden, Monday night, February the 23rd. In the main event, that six-man elimination match. And the six-man teams, adorable Adrian Adonis, the Macho Man Randy Savage Intercontinental Champion, and their third man, the King himself, against the trio of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Roddy Roddy Piper, and their third man, none other than the Junkyard Dog and JY. After what happened right here at Madison Square Garden last time out, you have one very big score to settle with the you King. Know, it's not hard to remember. Like on this certain day, it wasn't hard for all the people in this nation, which is a great day everybody will celebrate to try to remember. And I was late coming to the garden because I was in Washington, D.C., trying to pay my respects. And what happened? Live television. I got knocked out. I was humiliated. 
and they stayed out and laughed about it. Something this country been trying to do for years to get the people to mold together, to pull as one. And oh, what the Bobby Brain hand do? He think it's 1946 when he corral everybody up and say, out you go, in you come, this way and that way. I'm proud to have Piper. I'm proud to have Steamboat. I'm proud to be racked somebody like Agent Adonis and run them macho man Saturdays. But all I want to do is just give me one opportunity to get even with you, Holler Race, and you call yourself the king. That's what makes me mad. There's not but one king in this world that I respect. And I will pay my respects on that day, and I will repay my debt here at Madison Square Garden on Monday night, February the 23rd. And don't you forget it, Ezo. You got a debt to be paid, baby. Don't miss it. All right, happy Valentine's Day to fans here in the greater metropolitan New York City area, Madison Square Garden. A week from Monday night, February the 23rd, we're going to be back in Midtown Manhattan with one phenomenal World Wrestling Federation card. You macho man Randy Savage will be teaming up with Adrian Adonis and the king of wrestling, self-proclaimed though he may be, Harley Race, going up against the tandem, the threesome of Rowdy Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You've done your homework, haven't you? Yeah, well, got it right. all down pat. Yeah, but do you realize that the macho man Randy Savage has not been in Madison Square Garden for a long period of time? I'm aware of that. And now, yeah! Macho Madness is going to be very, 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 very definite in that six-man tag elimination. You know, we've talked about it before, Randy, but I wonder if I could confront you with the, the, the possibility of your fate here when you take a look at Piper, Junkyard Dog, and Steamboat. You know, it's conceivable in this kind of a match you could end up in there all by yourself against those three men. Oh, three versus one situation is very definite. In that particular case, in the garden, in Madison Square Garden, yeah. I would have to... Eliminate Roddy Piper, then the junkyard dog, and then burn the dragon. Yeah. Oh, from Monday night here in Madison Square Garden. Don't miss it. Madison Square Garden, a week from Monday night. Phenomenal from top to bottom. World Wrestling Federation card. Junkyard dog, come on in. You're involved in an incredible match called the six-man elimination tag team bout. On one side, macho man Randy Savage, adorable Adrian Adonis, and the king of wrestling, Harley Race, going up against yourself, Ricky Steamboat, and Rowdy Roddy Piper. This is going to be a nasty, nasty thing. It's going to remind you of that great Super Bowl game when you've seen the New York Giants just eliminate. Just, just, just mess the boy up that devil. I see, it's going to be the same thing here. It could be two against one, one against three, all against all, decimal against double. Wait a minute now, I'll tell you what. Bill Parcells called me this past week and he said, Gene, just exactly what are the ground rules for a six-man elimination tag team bout? What about it, dog? When you lose, you go home. You go back to the locker room. You're back in the sack, back in the back, and sit in the corner and you wait for your rest of your partner. Well, wait a minute. That could mean you could be up against three men all by yourself. I'd never be alone again. The last time I was alone here in the garden, I got two taken a finisher. Knocked out. Soup coolers rubbed across the shoes. Soup coolers? Yes, sir, brother. The boys know what I'm talking about. And he just about made a national holiday a wreck in my behalf. I'm going to tell you something, baby. We're here February 23rd. Don't, don't worry about that. All right, so we promote it night. Once you're pinned or submit, you're out of the match. Six-man elimination, Madison Square Garden. A week from this Monday night. Madison Square Garden, Monday night, February the 23rd. What a tremendous card from top to bottom. 
Jake the Snake Roberts going against Big Man, King Kong Bundy. Tito Santana to tangle with the natural Butch Reed. And in a six-man elimination tournament, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Junkyard Dog, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to meet adorable Adrian Adonis. Come on in, Jimmy Hart. The Intercontinental Champion, Macho Man Randy Savage. And the King of Professional Wrestling, Hardy Race. Self-proclaimed though it may be. King, do you feel like talking this week? Yes, I do. Not to you or not to those morons out there. But... To the junkyard dog, Ricky Steamboat, and Roddy Piper. If you got any sense whatsoever, you'll not show up in the gardens. They packed the dog away. Now they'll pack two more. All right, uh, Jimmy Hart, uh, where's, where's your man, uh, Adrian Adonis? I've got a message for you, Piper. He who laughs last will the laugh the loudest, and I promise you Adrian will have the last laugh over you in Madison Square Garden. Uh, a few missing in action. Where's Elizabeth this week, Randy Savage? Are you talking to me right now? Yeah. Is it something? Yeah, loosey-goosey. Madison Square Garden's macho madness. Yeah, Elizabeth will be there on the outside, but I only have to worry about losing this no non-title match. And I can just come to the garden and have a little bit of fun. Yeah, what? Somebody, teach somebody some lessons, yeah, bury the dragon. Remember, once a man is eliminated, he is out of the action. It could be two on three, one on three, who knows? Madison Square Garden, the 23rd, and we're right back. All right, fans, Madison Square Garden. Monday night, February the 23rd, grapplers return to Gotham, and what a card from top to bottom. I strongly, strongly suggest you get your tickets in advance. Gentlemen, come on in. Ricky Steamboat, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Junkyard apparently walking the dog. Six-man elimination match. The opponents, the trio of Adonis, Race, and Macho Man Randy Savage. You know the, the terms, the rules of this one, Ricky Steamboat. Mean Gene, what we have right now, and what we have is six guys in the ring. What we don't want is any failure of communication. And what I'm trying to tell you right now, Savage, is I want a piece of your butt on February the 23rd. If a man gets eliminated, he is out for good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everybody knows what's been coming down with these six guys. Three over here and three over here, and everybody wants a piece of each other. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I'm telling you right now. Me, this man, and JYD who's walking the dog. We've got a hole in our marble bag. Uh, you see, you see, the problem is with these guys, they're like Huey Lewis and News. One day they want a new drug, one day it's hip to be square. They don't know where they're coming from. We're smart enough at least to get a guy that carries chains around his neck. That's the guy right there, right there. Savage, you know what you do? You leave your broad at home, man. I got five successful marriages. I don't need another one. He don't need the broad. Leave him alone, Adonis. I'm going to be the first man to put the pants right back on you, brother. Something you ain't never seen before. The Garden Money, the 23rd, and we're going to be right Right Some really fun promos there as we get back to the match. Let's look at the eliminations throughout the matchup. Remember again, it's Piper, the dog, and Steamboat taking on the Macho Man, Adonis, and the King Harley Race here. And it shakes out like this. First, Adonis and JYD battling to a double countout about eight minutes into the match. Then, King Harley Race pinning Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in about 12 minutes after Steamboat had Race in an inside cradle, but Savage comes in and reverses the cradle behind the referee's back, allowing Race to defeat to eliminate the Dragon. More heat on the Macho Man Steamboat feud heading into WrestleMania there, no doubt. So it comes down to Roddy Piper versus Harley Race and the Macho Man. Let's see what happens here as Roddy Piper pins the King in about 16 minutes after Savage's interference backfires this time, accidentally hitting 
Harley Race with a double axe handle smash. Roddy Piper picking up the win there. And then Roddy Piper yet again pinning the Macho Man with an inside cradle after Savage missed his patented flying elbow drop. Roddy Piper, the sole survivor, if you will, here in Madison Square Garden. And I absolutely love this match, the concept of this match. It was something special. You got a lot of big names in there at the same time. And obviously it leads to the Survivor Series. This is almost like a test the waters moment. Don't know if that's actually what they were doing or not, but I think it works out well. And I absolutely love the visual of seeing all these guys standing in the ring at the same time. Roddy Piper walking out the winner, pinning both the King Harley race and the Macho Man. Love the definitive ending of this matchup. And sadly, yes, this would also be Roddy Piper's final appearance at Madison Square Garden prior to his retirement at WrestleMania 3. And before we close out this garden show, we're going to go backstage. It's Gorilla Monsoon standing by with Rowdy Roddy Piper. One final promo at MSG from the Hot Rod. Roddy, congratulations on one of the greatest displays I've ever seen in my entire history. And what, what a tremendous way to say goodbye to Madison Square Garden. Thank you. Thanks, Gorilla. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've never been one to kiss babies and do all that other stuff. For a while, they thought I was a Gaddafi of professional wrestling, I think. But, you know, the way I always paid the fans back was when I got in there, I always give 110%. I wasn't like Bambi. I never laid back from nobody at no time, at any time. You know, I got one great quest left, and that's Adrian Adonis. And this guy says he's going to shave my hair. There's this curly cue of professional wrestling going to shave my head as I go out and farewell. You know, I come in a winner, I'm going out a winner. Because when I'm good, I'm good. And when I'm bad, I'm better. You guys sitting there watching all kinds of basketball and stuff. Me, I'm going to be sitting there doing push-ups. I'm watching the game, too. This year's pre-tape, brother. I'm so hyped. I can't I can't help myself. Are you what I think? I think this, man. I never said nothing good to you before, but maybe it'll be a half an hour in heaven before the devil knows you're dead. Ah. All right, Roddy Piper, in this instance, a man of few words, but he gets his point across. Finishing up his final show there at Madison Square Garden, at least for a while. As we move on to February 24th, Davenport, Iowa at the Palmer Auditorium. It's Hillbilly Jim subbing for the missing in action junkyard dog. Uh, they claim Hillbilly Jim scores a win over Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. I put about 17 question marks next to this. Hillbilly Jim defeats Paul Orndorff? Question mark? Not really sure what that was about. Also, it's reported Hillbilly Jim won a $50,000 20-man bunkhouse battle royal. Also on the card, the Rougeos, Dino Bravo, Don Morocco, Bob Orton, the Can-Am Connection, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the Assassin. Hey, Randy Colley. Of course, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff involved. And even Stony Burke. Makes it here to Davenport, Iowa. Stony Burke, a job guy for AWA, makes sense. And the WWF off to Stanton Island and the Susan B. Wagner High School Gym, February 24th as well. The show was advertised as the 11th anniversary of local promoter Tommy D, who's quite a character. Show sees Brad Rangins with a win over Dave Barbie, Salvatore Belomo, pinning Jerry Allen, Tom McGee scoring a win over the Red Demon, Coco Beware beating Frenchie Martin. It's the Bees over the Dream Team. And in the main event, Jake the Snake Roberts defeating the natural Butch Reed. So we move on to Buffalo in the Memorial Auditorium, February 25th, in front of 8,000 fans. This is another fun one. Junkyard Dog over Jake the Snake Roberts. Black Jack Mulligan defeating King Kong Bunny in a bull rope match after hitting him in the head with his boot. Also, IC champion Randy Savage over George the Animal Steel after blasting him with a foreign object. Lots of uh, foreign object activity going on here in Buffalo. And in the main event, it's Billy Jack Haynes defeating Hercules on a DQ after Hercules accidentally struck the official. Looks like we're going to stay here in New York, Rochester, New York, 
at the War Memorial February 26th in front of just 2,200 fans. I see champion Randy Savage again over George the Animal Steel, and it is Billy Jack Haynes teaming with Blackjack Mulligan to defeat the team of King Kong Bundy and Hercules on a disqualification. Then from there, wow, the balls they had, 1987 WWF invading New Orleans, Louisiana, the UNO Lakefront Arena. I don't have the numbers here. Again, I'd be very curious to see what the WWF drew here in New Orleans. Scheduled on the card was Ricky Steamboat versus Paul Orndorff. Wow, would have loved to have seen that one. George the Animal Steel against IC champion Randy Savage. And a six-man tag team match. It makes sense. Look at the names here. It's the Junkyard Dog, but of course, teaming with Jake the Snake Roberts and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Wow. Smart booking anyway. Taking on the trio of Harley Race, King Kong Bundy, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Talk about stacking a card for the Mid-South area. I, I truly wonder what this drew. You're talking Paul Orndorff versus Ricky Steamboat. Paul Orndorff, long time star of Mid-South Wrestling, former multiple-time North American champion. And then the main event, look at that. You have the Junkyard Dog, who no doubt about it was the most popular wrestler possibly to ever come out of the Mid-South Wrestling territory. Teaming with his successor, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who de facto eventually became the star of Mid-South Wrestling prior to him leaving for the World Wrestling Federation. And Jake the Snake Roberts spent plenty of time himself on top there in Mid-South Wrestling before defecting over to the WWF in early 1986 as well. And you stick all three of these guys together in this six-man tag team match. Really curious what they drew here in New Orleans. And talk about knowing your crowd, WWF Montreal, Quebec at the Forum yet again, February 27th in front of 19,320 fans. Montreal was hot for the WWF. Of course, what do we see to kick things off? It's Rick Martel, Montreal favorite, defeating the Honky Tonk Man on a DQ after interference from Jimmy Hart. Also on the card, Blackjack Mulligan over Nikolai Volkov. Demolition, defeating the team of Jerry Allen and Dan Spivey. Hercules Hernandez battling Billy Jack Haynes to a no contest. And of course, we get the strongman himself, Dino Bravo, slated to take on Tom Zink of the Can-Am Connection. And what should be no shock to anyone, Dino does score the win here over Tom Zink. Might be one of the first losses to one of the Can-Am Connection. Zink doing the job to the Montreal native Dino Bravo. And in the main event, WWF champion Hulk Hogan over Kamala. The next night in Winnipeg, February 28th, we're closing out the month of February, guys. We're almost there in front of 13,000 fans in Winnipeg. One of the big matches on the card, Can-Am Connection over the team of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. So the Can-Ams defeating former tag team champions on their rise to the top. But that's not the main event. Do you remember me mentioning earlier here on this show, there were only two markets that Jake the Snake Roberts actually challenged WWF champion Hulk Hogan for the title? This was one of those markets. It was Providence, Rhode Island, and Winnipeg, Manitoba. Jake the Snake Roberts coming into town to take on Hulk Hogan for his WWF title after... Jake DDT'd the champion on the set of the Snake Pit. Only seen in two markets, guys, Winnipeg being one of them. We've talked at length in the past about why that is, why this was canceled, why Jake was turned face, why this never made air nationally, and why this match was only done in two markets. Jake the Snake Roberts dumping Hogan on his head on the Snake Pit to a round of applause, and then the chant of the DDT. No doubt Hulk Hogan came to the back after that segment and said this famous line, That doesn't work for me, brother. The World Wrestling Federation presents the card we've all been waiting for right here in the beautiful Winnipeg Arena. And topping it off, the match the whole wrestling world is talking about, world heavyweight title on the line, Hulk Hogan will risk his title against Jake the Snake Roberts. Just one week away, Jake. He's so strong. 
Yes, he is very. He's so powerful, but you're so foolish. You were so foolish walking into the pit thinking that I was just going to sit back and take your crap one more time, man. What do you think you are? You ain't nothing special to me, man. You're a piece of flesh. When I step into the ring and I look at that man across the ring from me, I say, well, that's my dinner. That's my meal. That's my meal tickets, you see. But what I've been living on just don't fill me up, Hulk Hogan. So I got to have a little bit more. I got to have the best of both worlds, you see. I'm talking about your title. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody in the world would like to have that, but few men can take it. I can take it. I've shown you that. I have a way to do it. What would you do, Billy Red Lions, if you were driving down a highway and you seen a Mack truck cross the double line headed right for you? What would you do? I would try and get out of its way. Yeah. Some people don't, though, you know. Some people would rather meet the power and say, well, maybe I can live through it. Well, Hulk Hogan, you did not get up. How big were your arms when you were left laying, huh? 24? Yeah, 24. Cold, man. Cold. I could do anything I wanted to you at that time, but I didn't. I didn't. I could have finished you right there, man. They could have been putting you in a pine box and shipping you off for dirt. But no, I didn't. No, sir. I wanted to plant a little fear. You see, Billy Red, if you plant grass, you grow grass. If you plant rice, you grow rice. I plant fear, and fear will grow. Because if you have a man looking at you, and he has a little fear in his heart, where does that put him? But in the palm of your hand because already you have created doubt in his own mind that he has the strength to continue against someone like myself. Oh, my man, time is running out. You've had time to think, and I'm surprised that you're not pulling some strings. Everybody knows how close you are to the president of the WWF. But see, sometimes strings can't save you. Sometimes you have to face the facts. And the fact is this, Hulk Hogan, I am a better man. You see, just when you thought it was safe to go out at night, there's the snake. And the snake's hungry. And he's going to take what he wants in Winnipeg, of all places, Winnipeg. But that's where I'm going to do it. Winnipeg will be in the history books. And you can thank me for that. Because I am going to be the new world's champion. Next Saturday, February the 20th, right here in the Winnipeg Arena. Don't you dare miss. Jake the Snake Roberts eventually getting turned babyface here later in the month of February on TV. We're going to talk all about that next week. But here this week, we talk the Winnipeg Arena and the main event, WWF champion Hulk Hogan definitively pinning Jake the Snake Roberts with a big leg drop. Gotta put the exclamation point on that one, brother. Hogan defeating Jake the Snake Roberts. And the rest, as they say, is history there. As we close things out, the WWF also in St. Louis at the Keele Auditorium, February 28th, in front of only 3,800 fans to see the assassin, that's Randy Colley, pinning Lanny Poffo, Bob Orton scoring a pin over Dick Slater, Kamala pinning King Kong Bunny in the five-minute mark. Wow, Kamala over Bunny would like to see that match. Billy Jack Haynes battling Hercules to a double countout, and in yet another six-man elimination match, it is Roddy Piper, Ricky Steamboat, and the Junkyard Dog defeating the team yet again of Randy Savage, Harley Race, and Adrian Adonis. Eliminations again looked like this. It's JYD and Adonis battling to a double countout. Harley Race pinning Steamboat. And then Piper, just as we saw in the garden, scoring a win over Harley Race, followed by the Macho Man. And though we've seen this elimination match twice, they'll continue to test the waters for these Survivor Series type matchups, as these matches, they'll continue through the month of March with some really odd and fun pairings 
So we'll continue to talk about that all throughout the month of March here on the house shows as well when we get there. And that'll wrap it up for house shows for the month of February 1987. Lots of fun stuff throughout. Lots of great sound bites there at Madison Square Garden, Boston Garden, West Palm Beach, Winnipeg, and beyond. I had a lot of fun running through these and reminiscing to some of these shows as I have footage to many of these shows, Boston, Philadelphia, MSG. And I look forward to doing some of those in long form on our Patreon account as part of the Watch Along series. And if you don't have access to those events to follow along with us, never fear. Just join the $5 all-access tier or higher, and we'll take care of that for you as well. But as I said, that'll wrap it up this week. All of the February news and house show results, we see everything going on. Hacksaw Jim Duggan debuts. Mike Rotunda quits the company. Davey Boy Smith filling in for an injured George the Animal Steel to make for some interesting matches. Tom McGee still getting quietly built up here for the WWF. We'll see how that works out for him. The WWF in direct competition with the NWA up in Ontario, Canada at one point this month. And then we think back to Philadelphia, the WWF running the Spectrum one week, then a week later, Crockett coming into town and running the Civic Center as well. The Hearts seemingly doing a lot of non-title jobs here, partially because they won the belts after these matches were made, but also I feel like it's, it's a good reason to come back with return matches for those titles. We'll have to see if they follow up on that. And I still go back to that Rujos and Islanders match. We've seen a lot of Rujo Islanders and Islander U.S. Express matches as of late on these house shows. If this was anything like they were, I would have been very interested to see more of them. Two babyface teams just letting it all out. Really fun stuff there. Like I said, I'd love to add that to YouTube. So be on the lookout for that match. Hogan's still working with Kamal at this point. Gotta love the Paul Orndorff as Kim Chi. Great stuff there. Lots of happenings as we are another month closer on the road to WrestleMania 3. And let's not forget, Saturday night's main event for March 14th is in the can. They have recorded it here in February, so we'll be discussing that very shortly here too. In fact, in two weeks' time, we'll be tackling Saturday night's main event. But before we get there, as I've already said, a great time to be a professional wrestling fan here. 1987, I'm excited. And I hope you guys are excited too, as we'll be back next week to talk all things February TV here for the World Wrestling Federation in 1987. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Dallas Cologne and Aftershave, as dynamic and take charge as a Texas power dealer, and just as smooth. Dallas, the new men's cologne that plays to win. All right, guys, before we get into everything we're going to talk about next week, let me remind you once again to head on over to our social media accounts on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also on Facebook. Like us and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Grenade. I'm constantly posting new pictures covering the entire history of professional wrestling, not just 1987, not just the 80s and the 90s. I'm talking all the way back in time, guys. Lots of great pictures from every territory you can think of and beyond. Always something fun getting posted daily on our social media accounts. And of course, you also enter to win by simply following those social media accounts your chance to win those upcoming free prize giveaways on our WrestleMania 3 Definitive Edition of the Grenade coming up in just about a month's time. You can win those Ricky Steamboat and Honky Tonk Man autographed 8x10s. Both men intercontinental champion in those pictures. Very cool stuff there. Also, give our YouTube channel a try. YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Lots of great videos up there from wrestling history's past. And certainly our Patreon account, Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That's patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. A dozen tiers to choose from. All very good tiers. But I always invite everybody to give it a go at the $5 all-access tier because you get six gifts 
for $5 just as you get going there. No subscription, cancel anytime. I think you'll like all the gifts you get on a monthly basis. That's the $5 all-access tier or any of the higher tiers over there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. And for those of you who are looking for something else to listen to now that this episode of The Grenade has come to a conclusion, you can stop on over to WrestleCopia.com or any of your favorite podcast streaming apps and look up our sister show, Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It is Raw versus Nitro, the WWF versus WCW, as we chronicle the entire history of the Monday Night War, starting all the way back September 1995. Right now, we're up to the middle of June in 1996. Kevin Nash has just arrived along with good buddy Scott Hall, as the hostile takeover begins there in WCW. And then over in the WWF, we're heading into the King of the Ring, where Austin 316 will be born. So things are evolving in both companies right now. Go check it out. Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, a great podcast as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. All right, guys, and that'll do it. We wrap things up here this week on the Wrestling Memory Grenade, but we'll be back next week for more 1987 goodness as we talk all February TV here on the road to WrestleMania 3. An absolutely loaded show as we discuss the Hart Foundation defeating the British Bulldogs for the WWF Tag Team title. Referee Danny Davis being fired by President Jack Tunney only to find a new job almost immediately with Jimmy Hart and the Hart Foundation. And yes, we've been waiting for it several weeks, if not months in the making on the set of Piper's Pit. Jesse Ventura promises to produce Andre the Giant. Meanwhile, Roddy Piper promises Hulk Hogan. Also going to be part of the pit. It's going to come down, guys. Andre and Hogan in the same place at the same time. I can promise you some real fireworks there. We'll also see the debut of Outback Jack. Glad to know Jack finally made his way to the United States. Also, Craig DeGeorge arrives in the World Wrestling Federation. Roddy Piper announces his retirement from the Squared Circle but not before he gets one final match with Adrian Adonis. It's the new version of Demolition as Barry Darso replaces Randy Colley as Demolition Smash, plus all the build-up to the March edition of Saturday Night's main event. And the honky-tonk man says he's not a fan of snakes, and thus he has a big surprise for Jake the Snake Roberts on the set of the Snake Pit. All of that and sound bites galore from primetime superstars, wrestling challenge, and beyond, guys, all of that and so much more. God, I told you it was a loaded show. Next week on The Grenade, it is February TV in the World Wrestling Federation here in 1987. You guys are not going to want to miss that episode. And tell your friends, spread the word. Let them know what's coming up. Lots of sound bites, lots of news as we deep dive into February TV here for the WWF in 1987. So much to get into next week. Can't wait to do it. Looking forward to being back here next week with more on this project. Until then, this is Ray Russell saying, from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and we'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there! May you be a half an hour in heaven before the devil knows you're dead. Ha!